the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Tuesday, January 18th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. You can find them at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear. Need something custom? They will hook you up with some hot melted Kydex. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. Saw Mike Lindell at the uh, Trump rally this weekend. Did he have a pillow? He had lots of pillows. Nice. He always has pillows. You know who needs them? Everyone listening to this podcast. Jump on mypillow.com forward slash steak. Be able to find uh, and peruse over 600 MyPillow products. Can't take a good night's sleep for granted. And no one's working harder to uh, give you one and fight for election integrity than Mike Lindell. MyPillow.com forward slash steak or via the telephone. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear, as always, sits upon Noah's head. Looks very nice. It's comfy. Sure is. And whether you're gaming, potting, stronger like Kanye, Ooh. you want to have the top tier of ear gear. It's Odyssey. Find him at Odyssey.com, Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. He's been uh, showcasing a lot of guns and ammo he's been getting in over the last few days. Find him on Facebook or the newly redesigned website, WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. Get yourself that ammo as well. Call him via the telephone, 619-870-6992. First responders working hard. A lot of ODs and uh, stabbings. Stabbings aplenty. Our first responders wear mediocre medic off-duty. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. They've got stickers and patches for when they're on duty as well. And they've got a fire IG. MediocreMedic.com. And then finally, the top tier of tactical flair can be found at Dumpbox. Go ask Mark Joe Friday about the Zero Fucks Duck if you don't know figure it out yeah he'll definitely give you some answers and a whole lot of other tactical awesomeness to wear um and pin and stick on things that you own they're on facebook they're on instagram they're at dumpbox.us friends don't forget to follow us on the instagram there at steak for podcast breakfast there you'll find a link tree they'll take you to all our social medias the website our telegram and more and on that note welcome tuesday edition steak for breakfast podcast Episode 100. Dang. Hooray for us. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. 
Antoinette jumped on. Hey guys. Hello, dear. And we're already joined by uh, our two guest hosts today. Um, joining us today, neither of them need introduction. They've both been a big part of everything that Steak for Breakfast podcast is over the years. And now we are into years, um, as well as into three numbered episodes. Congratulations. Uh, first one is Miss Norbin Laden. Thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks for having me and congrats, the big 100. Oh, shucks. I know, who would have thought? How's everything going with you, dear? How are you? Good. Always a pleasure to be back on with you guys. It's always great fun. Yeah, and it's always a great pleasure and honor to have you on our show. And our other guest host today, she's uh, extremely lovely, very funny, super based. And uh, as we enter three-digit episodes, she enters double-digit appearances on our show nice making her 10th miss geisha montez thanks for joining for us for real today. oh my god it's been 10 times oh god wow uh many stakes <laughs> many stakes congratulations happy to be back and we're very very happy to have you uh let's get some updates going on geisha why don't you tell us what's going on in new york city right now we had a couple of your future house representatives on in the last couple of weeks andrew mccarthy who's running in new york 23 was awesome and uh i think Maybe a week ago, we had on Desi Quaylar, who's running. Uh, he's trying to run against AOC in New York 14, representing the Queens and Bronx. He could probably walk against her. Yeah, he definitely could. <laughs> I, I mean, if elections weren't rigged and stolen and he's not going to have to work as hard as he needs to, that guy would, would take her to the cleaners in a heartbeat because she never goes back to her district. But uh, No ticky, no laundry. There you go. Regardless, what's going on in New York City right now? Well, you never want to under, underestimate <laughs> New Yorkers because, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm i happy that, that things can change and, and and it seems like they're changing. I've seen a lot of protests all over um, New York, not just not just Manhattan, um, you know, people standing for, you know, for their rights in, in schools and, and trying to make a, you know, make it just just make a change because um, people are aware that this is just. It's 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 too much what we're dealing with. But, you know, every day is just me trying to not go insane. Um, it's <laughs> cold. And um, I don't know. I, I've been I've been kind of off a little bit of social media because I have to to work on plan B, you know, because because I'm in New York and since I'm not going to be accepted anywhere. I have to figure it out, like what I'm going to do. And I'm going to work at home most of the time. So I don't, I'm going to get it. I'm going to build a gym here at home. <laughs> that sounds uh Pretty amazing and uh, just about on key with what's going on in New York right now. And uh, we're all sorry you live there. But at the end of the day, we live in Southern California, so it's not too much different. It's yeah. just, uh, you know, less cold. And and then, Nora, what's going on in your neck of the woods? You've been really busy. The podcast has started back up. I've seen you featured in uh, Raw Egg Nationalists, uh, newest edition as well, with uh, an interview that you conducted. Why don't you give our listenership a little update on all the things going on with you? Sure. Um, yeah, I've been a bit busy at the start of the year. I'm really happy to have picked the podcast back up again. Amazing guests, as you know, uh, our beloved General Flynn. I had Darren Beatty on uh, last week to discuss uh, 1-6 on the one-year anniversary of the fake insurrection. And um, perfectly on cue with um, the feature in the Raw Egg Nationalist's latest magazine issue, uh, Man's World. Uh, I'm recording with my dear friend, uh, Richard Poe, who I call the original regime fighter. And so the feature in the magazine and Ren's magazine is an interview I conducted with, with Richard on his life's work, which is absolutely fascinating. And uh, we're going to jump on to 
to record um, an episode for the podcast uh, tomorrow, which I'm very excited about. I love speaking with him. So nice. yeah, just continuing with my stuff, the podcast, I'm getting back into writing, calling out the globalists uh, for uh, the evil that they're doing all over the world. And sure. um, on the note, just over here in general in Europe, Similar vibe, I guess, to New York and uh, Washington, D.C., especially with this dystopian new um, uh, restriction um, set of rules that they've put forward. You know, you need a Vax Pass to do basically everything. Um, and for your listeners who maybe don't follow what's going on in Europe, but uh, the Great Reset is uh, in much more advanced stages over here where to do basic things in society, you need uh, a Vax passport. So I'm um, watching this very closely, even though I live off grid outside of society. So I'm not so affected, but just so your listeners understand and know, you basically need to, to have a Vax passport to do basically everything from going to work or taking public transportation and different countries have different stages of advancement of the implementation of these uh, rules, uh, but we're very much going in the same direction across uh, across Europe, which is frightening. Mm. Well, and, you, and you can't really say that we didn't tell you so. Yeah, imagine yeah. that. I mean, literally, we're we're doing COVID. all this for something that doesn't work and doesn't make a difference, and is now the flu. Literally, yeah. flumicron, flumicron ultra. There you go. It was, pre- Plus. it was pretty ultra. Well. For as much as the bad news is all of everybody's updates is, the good news is we're we had, getting we're getting uh, microchips. Not yet. No, <laughs> there was a Trump rally I'm, this weekend. I'm going to say I told you so. Or again my dead one. body. <laughs> it, it's been quite a while since since we had a Trump rally, and it's the first one of 2022 uh, to a packed house out there in the wilderness of Arizona, and and with lots of wind and, and an amazing sunset as backdrop. I've been to that area. There's not much there. Yeah, we we did get a. Quite a different vibe from this one, you know, some of the old material, but some new. And again, people, you know, there's a lot of people out there commentating right now saying that uh, the Trump rally kind of reminds us of all the things that really bother us. The rigged and stolen elections, the vaccine mandates and uh, how bad the economy is. But until Donald Trump formally, you know, announces and throws his name in for the 2024 presidential election. He's taking his time right now to kind of slow it down and, and help some of these 2022 midtermers uh, get over the finish line. Um, Steve Bannon, Peter Navarro previewed the rally, and uh, we're going to listen to a clip from them real quick to get things kicked off in the uh, Trump rally segment. This is the kickoff to the 2022 campaign season with this massive rally in Florence, Arizona, in a battleground state. And it, the people have on, uh, on they're, they're very specifically chosen who's going to be up there. Did you just Steve The himself? reason is, is the decertification process is really kicking up next week in Arizona in the assembly. The de- November, th- the get to the bottom of November 3rd and decertify Biden electors in Arizona in Wisconsin, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, in the great state of Georgia, those four states, we are going to decertify all those electors. And then Joe Biden and the media and the tech oligarchs, you're going to have to deal with it, okay? 
So I guess the new angle that they're taking in this right now is that by decertifying the election in those four states wouldn't do necessarily anything for the movement of Donald Trump back into the residence at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. However, it would put definite more of a illegitimacy stain on the current Biden regime, which is doing awful, as we all know, based off the poll numbers. So I wanted to play that clip to kind of give a little lead into what his angle is, as we know. You know, Steve still kind of plays a major mouthpiece for Donald Trump and uh, kind of uses his show to get the policies out there that are going to be important moving forward into the midterm elections and then thereafter. Um, Then the rally kicked off. There was a lot of great speakers. I already mentioned Mike Lindell was there. We had Mark Fincham, uh, a couple others. I think Andy Biggs was one of the people who got the uh, he said that uh, there was a car in the parking lot with its lights on, license plate, let's go, Brandon, <laughs> and kind of got that kicked off, right? But definitely the rock star who was there, minus Donald Trump, was, was obviously Carrie Lake. She's she's winning by a, a large lead in Arizona right now. Uh, she is an amazing personality and going to be a great governor there. She's obviously been on the show with us, and uh, we're going to be bringing her back again soon next month. Uh, she gave a pretty good speech and, and talked about some of the things that have been directly affecting Arizona and especially regarding the coronavirus. Let's hear before we jump into the rally, you know, her like speech right before Donald Trump came out. I am your governor. There will be no mandates and no lockdowns. Actually, actually, let me let me revise that just a little bit. I want to lock somebody down, and it's that liar, Dr. Fauci. Got him. It it, it says fire me, uh, uh, fire me on the website. Five dollars. Lock him up, champ. Yeah. That guy is bad news. I don't know about you guys, but my BS meter goes crazy whenever he opens his mouth. And you know what? Come to think of it, there's a few other people I'd like to send right down to the prison down here in Florence. Anybody who was involved in that corrupt, shady, shoddy election of 2020. Lock them up. And there you go. I mean, the the tone was kind of set there. Nor, I know you've had probably a a lot of time to hear Carrie Lake, whether or not it's on social medias or interviews. What do you think about her as, uh, you know, someone who's just really big in in Trump world right now and then going to be the governor of Arizona? Here we go in, you know, less than 11 months. Listen, generally speaking, Carrie Lake, you know, Joe Kent... We need candidates that are 100% America first and who call out exactly as as she did the fraudulent, phony, fake election of 2020. And bouncing off of the first clip you posted on um, Steve Bannon, I wholeheartedly agree with him. And and I've been saying the same thing since November 3rd, 2020, and haven't budged. However, the end result turns out to be there needs to be a disrespectation. There needs to be a rectification written down black on white that this election was fraudulent. Otherwise, future elections won't um, matter so much. It needs to be cleaned up. Mm-hmm. And for it to be cleaned up, it needs to first be recognized as the sham that it was. Yeah. So, no, she's doing an amazing job. 
Uh, she's building the wall and down there in Arizona. So obviously, as an America firster, Trump, Trump supporting, you know, person who very much agreed with that agenda. Now she's doing great. And we need more candidates like that. And it's not going to fly. And the American people are awake and uh, they want real America firsters like uh, like her. So, no, very encouraging. Yeah, she she sent out a tweet this morning about I, I believe she was at some of the uh, unused materials down at the border wall there in, in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, like the tweet I'm paraphrasing says like Joe Biden can't even remember where he is half the time. How is he going to stop me from building the wall? So I sent I sent her a DM Ouch. on Instagram with like a screenshot of that, and I did like the uh, Shaquille O'Neal tasting the chicken wing, saying "Ooh, spicy." <laughs> she immediately messaged me back, and she's like, "Oh, don't worry, it's going to get a lot spicier between now and November." Nice. I was like, "Great to hear." I, I love it. I love it. She she is definitely one of the mega personalities that still keep a strong lock. She maintains her own social medias. She answers back, and she'll talk with you if you want to reach out. So anyone that's listening to the show that wants to talk to Carrie Lake, I suggest you message her. She'll uh, definitely get back to you as soon as possible. Now, Geisha, you live in a, a state that has an awful unelected official as their current governor. I saw her yeah. making some amazing uh, comments this weekend, trying to uh, replicate the things that are going on in, like, D.C. with the Vax passports and stuff like yes. that. And we've seen some arrests on TV. How much does uh, hearing Carrie Lake, not just there, but in general, I know you've heard her on other shows and seen her on social media, does it make you want to immediately pack up your things and move to Arizona? It, it, you have that feeling. <laughs> I'm definitely trying to pack and leave. Um and it's concerned, at least for me, I feel like I don't know what world I'm living in where people still don't see how serious um, the election, like what happened in the in the election is. And to see how they are, you know, this this side that is completely ignoring it, like nothing has happened. And then it's, it's I hear you guys um, talking about 2024, but like in my in my head, um, it's hard for me to even trust ever um, an election. One hundred percent. If this is not, you know, if, if something is not done and um, you you see like it's hard to see these people as 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 politicians that are truly having any any sort of good intention at all. You know, you're, you're just standing up watching someone talking about all of these policies that they want to do. But you understand like that, that their goal is truly not at all. Um, the well-being of anyone. It's hard to, to you know, to being aware of that all of this is happening. And I think that's why a lot of us just don't stop trying to do something about it um, because it's like, you know where this is going. You know, it is not for for the best interest of, of, of anyone. And, and like now, I mean, people at least, even, even the liberals are, are like, wait, no, I don't want you to touch my kids. I mean, some of them are still uh, kind of brainwashed, but some of them are like, you know what? Like, I don't want you to do mandates for our children and um, it's getting out of control. And I, I hope to see more like, you know, like her um, speaking, um, you know, openly and, and just just more about what happened in the election and, and to us to do something, because this is really serious. Yeah. You know, it's it's not just it's the United States of America. We saw something like that. I saw with my with my own eyes what happened in back in California, how it was a, it was a huge mess. And um, it's hard to live with that, you know, and just like pretend that, oh, no, we're just going to move to next year. Like, it's like, and you know what? It's kind of hard for me to like, you know, just pretend none of that happened. But that's my daily life here. Yeah, it's a lot of people's daily life that we live with. Now, let me ask everybody on the podcast, like a legitimate question here, because Steve Bannon is definitely trying to change the narrative in regards to the election right now and what we could see moving forward. We've got some really big America First candidates that are that are in some of these states that he mentioned. Obviously, we just talked about Carrie Lake, who's in Arizona. 
Doug Mastriano, who's running in, in Pennsylvania, and I think should probably be the next governor there. He'll be joining us Friday of, of this week. Uh, we're definitely going to have a, a lot better governor in uh, Georgia. You know, Purdue is not my favorite, but we talked about it on the show. If you ladies want to hear w- w- how we kind of theorize this, I think we, we talked with Cash about it maybe a little bit as well. Um, one of the things is, if you were going to get in the game this late for not ho- for not a house seat, house seats are easy. Redistricting in a lot of states just ended. If you're going to run for like a governor of a state, especially a big one like Georgia, especially when you have a big personality because dang she thick, Stacey Abrams over there uh, running up against you. David Perdue was, was already kind of set up there. He already has offices all over the state. He's got a ground team. You know, I think that's why Donald Trump endorsed him. So if he can get in there in Georgia, we'll see an America first Trump endorsed candidate there. Um, Hopefully he'll be a little bit less of a rhino than he was during his uh, Senate campaign. And, And then, you know, you have Wisconsin where I, I I don't know what the whole deal with the government is there. There's a big disconnect between the governor and the state Senate. However, Steve Bannon has pointed out since day one, legally, that's probably the only place right now that, that is that he feels like is a slam dunk in court. So the question I'm going to ask is, let's just say we get three new governors in these states. Let's just say those three governors and Wisconsin combined with, with some court wins decertify four states worth of electors for Joe Biden. It doesn't change the presidency now, maybe legally, but it definitely illegitimizes Joe Biden for the rest, the last two years of his uh, presidency, especially the way the House and the Senate are going to swing. Is that enough for you all going forward, in addition to some of the election reform we've seen, or is there still some things we really need to work on? I don't think it's enough. I mean, it's a, it's a start, like Noor was saying, I mean, you know, we need something in black and white on paper to prove, I mean, to show people that it was illegitimate, you know, and I, I mean, it's better than nothing. I honestly don't know where and how far it will go. I, I hope they could decertify <clears throat> in all states, but mm-hmm. I mean, at least, <clears throat> excuse me, at least one to start with, and then maybe it snowballs. Yeah. I definitely think it's something that uh, we're going to have to just kind of gauge as we move forward. We all know that it was illegitimate. The proof is out there. We've had the symposiums. We've had, you know, the hearings. So many people came forward. The proof is out there. The problem is that the mechanisms, the legal mechanisms or the institutional mechanisms have all been taken over and subverted. There needs to be a constitutional avenue that has to be created or a legal avenue for it to be recognized through the mechanisms of the U.S. Constitution and the legal system. The second thing is that the media has been completely taken over. As we know, we've discussed it several times, but it's, you know, the whole media, mainstream media landscape is purely like a project mockingbird on mm-hmm. steroids, as we've said before. And um, as, as, as long as we have these bottlenecks, it's a problem. But having the decertification be recognized and uh, how do you say in English um, uh, imprinted already gives much more backing to what is already out there for the people who are yet to come to the realization that effectively the whole system is just rotten from the core. Yeah, and it's it will be a first step, I think, because we can look at the 2020 election, but you know the entire population has been uh, misled for so many years in the sense that this is definitely not the first election that has been fraudulent. We can go as far back as the first election between 
um, JFK and Nixon. Right. Right. One hundred percent. It's 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 not enough, but it's already a huge step to get that done. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's definitely a step in the right direction, but I don't think at the end of the day it's going to satisfy everybody who knows what happened during the elections. It's one of the first times, although it's been going on forever, that we saw the administrative state and a lot of the things that control the inner workings of Washington, D.C. kind of spill out nationwide and really coordinate with, you know, big tech, labor unions, teachers unions, former Obama administration officials to really kind of coordinate and and, and get in there to, uh, you know, take over federal elections and, and in turn sway the outcome of 2020. So now with the states... And these sickos, and these sickos they admitted openly. You remember that Newsweek... Um, the time. Was it Time or Newsweek article? Time. time again. They, quote, fortified the election. Right. And it's also like, you know, if we do get a, a, a decertification, the media can't deny it because they, they've gone on and said that there's absolutely, you know, safest, most secure election. There was no fraud. So then it would be interesting if there was one, at least one decertified and to see what the media would say and how they would spin that. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things moving forward that uh, we're going to be keeping an eye on. And it's it's a lot, you know, a focus is onto that now. So the, the I'm actual- very confident. I'm very optimistic and confident that decertification is going to happen in those states. Yeah, I think so as well. Well, if it happens, it's going to set a precedent where all the other ones will be like, well, I guess we can do it too. Yeah, and then we'll have more governors running that are going to do it. We have to remember there are more governors than just in those three states that are running that are that are holding up the America First agenda. That article was called The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign That Saved the 2020 Presidential Election. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's the actual title that was, was given for that uh, – article and, and the big tell so now with the stage set the sun is down and they, they even referred to this quote shadowy group as a cabal in the article <laughs> yeah it's ridiculous. no it, it definitely is and something that was uh quarterbacked and mastermind by the uh former office of integrity official for the obama administration he was like the point man running everything behind the scenes there oh it's like oh. you know they say the quiet part out loud like all the time yeah, they sure did this time. So now with the stage set, the sundown, and to the tune of WWE's Undertaker theme song, nice. Donald Trump took the stage <laughs> to start the uh, 2020 rally season in only a fashion that he could. That's kind of a big jump from the village people. Well, I mean, he, he did come out to God Bless the USA, but it was kind of like the uh, tapping of the glass to get the attention of the room. Yeah. And... <laughs> When they dim some of the lights and start playing the Undertaker theme, I'm sitting there on right side broadcasting. My my son's got his back to the TV and he's playing his video game and he turns around. And he's like, "What are you watching?" I was like, "Still the Trump rally." He's like, "Is that the Undertaker?" I was like, "I don't think he's gonna be there." <laughs> Can you imagine if he came out? That'd be amazing. That's so funny. There are rumors of him making a return. Donald Trump took the stage and hit it right away. One of the big things he jumped into almost right off the bat was obviously the big lie. Uh, let's hear his first clip and the ones we're going to be breaking down over the course of the rally. The big lie, the big lie, the big lie is a lot of bullshit. That's what it is. Because they're in the pocket of the radical left Democrats, the same people who are destroying our country and they're destroying our country. And you have no doubt about it. We've had more problems. We've had more destruction, I think, than five presidents put together in the last year. Mm, So there was a. 
you know, him kind of setting the tone to uh, get things rolling there. One of the things that uh, was new to the repertoire was uh, him weighing in on the January 6th insurrection or lack thereof not too long ago. You know, it, it's one of those things where that narrative is, is really starting to fall apart. Both the legitimacy of the committee and, and lack thereof, it's turning out to be another big witch hunt. Uh, we're seeing people, even to this day, still doxing FBI agents. I don't know if you, you gals saw or Noah saw in the last 24 hours, H.R. McMasters, who is a former Trump admin official, appeared on Joe Rogan in a really bad Hawaiian shirt. Nice. And while Joe held his feet to the fire... And chewed on the end of a cigar. The shirt melted. He tried to get him to justify the feds infiltrating January 6th, to which HR Masters tried to play it off on Russia infiltration. Oh, what? wow. Yeah, Russia on, had troops on the ground in January 6th and, well, yeah, and incited all the bag of patriots to storm the Capitol. Two plus two is always four. I, I suggest you all go find the videos on, on YouTube <laughs> or, or Joe's podcast or on uh, Twitter because they're, they're quite delightful. Um, but, but Trump jumped in and, and wanted to talk about Nancy Pelosi and uh, Muriel Bowser and, and the lack of 10,000-plus troops that he asked for. I'm going to play a back-to-back clip here. First one on the way the Capitol was not protected, much to his request, and the second one being his feelings on whether or not the FBI was hanging out on the ground day of, which we all know kind of was truth. Get out and vote. We'll immediately begin our own investigations into what happened, what really happened, because this is being totally whitewashed. If the unselect committee were serious about getting the facts about January 6th, it would focus on answering the following questions. Why did Nancy Pelosi and the Capitol Police reject the more than 10,000 National Guard troops or soldiers? that I authorized to help control the enormous crowd that I knew was coming. And the reason I knew it, everybody that I knew was saying, I'm going on January 6th, everybody. And they never talk, by the way, they never talk about that crowd. They talk about the people that walked down to the Capitol. They don't talk about the size of that crowd. I believe it was the largest crowd I've ever spoken before. And they were there to protest the election. You were there, right? Am I right? I think it was the largest crowd I've ever... And the fake news never talks about it. They never talk about it. Exactly how many of those present at the Capitol complex on January 6th were FBI confidential informants, agents, or otherwise working directly or indirectly with an agency of the United States government? People want to hear this. How about the one guy? Go in, go in, get in there, everybody. Epps, get in there, go, go, go. Nothing happens to him. What happened with him? Nothing happens. Did any of these individuals play any role whatsoever in proving or facilitating the events at the Capitol? That's what we want to know. And most importantly, why aren't they investigating November 3rd, a rigged and stolen election without getting to the bottom of which we will never have a fair and free democracy. Why aren't they looking at that? So there you go. He finally uh, 
you know, not only talked about what was going on behind the scenes administratively leading up to January 6th, but then got specifically into the possibility of FBI informants, which we all know who were there, and even mentioned the names of Ray Epps, the ones that, you know, Darren Beatty was able to uncover and report and kind of opened up the Pandora's box leading to, you know, some of the other guys who they've been able to investigate uh, over the course of the last couple of days. Uh, I, I saw breaking news before the show started. I have two little side notes on this clip before we get into some commentary. First one is two top FBI agents and one senior supervisor with the FBI were all relieved of their duties today. And they were the ones who specifically worked on the Gretchen Whitmer fake FBI kidnapping plot and then were immediately moved to Washington, D.C. to lead the January 6th thing. And then the big number that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks, remember we had Trump on an, the interview with Christina Bob. So, you know, they were talking about, oh, this, this magical number. So I texted her. I said, hey, I got to ask you a question. And she's so amazing. She calls me immediately. She's got so much other shit going on in her life. This is a lady who worked in like the seniorest office of Department of Homeland Security, a jag all over the world while she was a Marine. And now she's a correspondent for One American News. I send the text message. She immediately calls me. She's like, hey, what's going on? I was like, I guess we really are friends now. <laughs> I mean, I, I was like, hey, what's the deal with this big number? And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, from your interview, he was like, you know, there was this number, this magical number. And, you know, it was really big. And, and, and she, I said, you laughed. And she's like, oh, I was like, what is it? She's like, a million. And I was like, oh, so I guess Trump is trying to. Not you know, say that word as much? No, he is trying to say <laughs> millions and millions. He is Billions. That a million people were at Stop the Steal on January 6th in Washington, D.C., which... Oh, okay, gotcha. By a lot of the footage, and yeah, uh, especially like... drone and helicopter footage, definitely looked like it could have been uh, 100%. So I wanted to clarify for our listening audience, going back a couple weeks to that Christina Bob Trump interview, what the uh, big number meant. It's almost like the uh, when he talks about the White House, the Specialist House, all capital letters, White House... The most beautiful White House. It's the only one that's named that house, and it's only one color, and all those letters are capitalized. <laughs> he says weird stuff about <laughs> yeah. it. Um, all right, guys, what do you guys think? You know, January 6th kind of falling apart. It looks like it's going to be another Russiagate. Remember the amount of hopium that was getting, you know, distributed across this country when we were talking about how amazing John Mueller was and, and, and what he was going to do to Donald Trump. Apparently his whole family was going to go to jail and Gitmo. They were all going to be publicly executed for all the things they did to you know, coordinate with Russia and steal the 2016 presidential election. Are they still trying to put up like a January 6th memorial? Is that a thing still? I don't know. But if they do, they'll probably <laughs> commemorate it with the cast of Hamilton singing in front of Ugh. it. Oh, man. So <laughs> w w what do you guys think? you think this is going to be like one of the things that they really try to hold on to? And at the end of the day, it's going to be like, well, there's some administrative charges for people that like maybe did property destruction or... We all know somebody shit on Mitch McConnell's desk. That is confirmed. We said it. Vishbura laughed and then pointed at us while he was laughing when he was on not too long ago. And, and, and if anybody knows, he knows because he works for someone who works in the building. They should give that guy an award. Yeah, they really should. Um, but besides that, do you guys think this is just going to be a big nothing burger at the end of the day? We are witnessing a incredible narrative collapse around 1-6. Uh, which is very exciting because it's uh, the regime is hanging on to this event uh, like dear life. Yeah. And uh, thanks to obviously the work of Darren Beatty and the whole investigative team. Yes. And uh, Revolver News, we have incontrovertible proof, video footage that they've painstakingly gone through to show just how they operated, how this entrapment operation was uh, deployed on that day. And um, 
I think the American people, even you know, towards more the left or center left, don't really care about that day. However hard the media and the, their minions are trying to push this quote insurrection um, lie, um, it's it's not sticking. And um, I think it's going to be one of the major elements. Uh, that leads to the downfall of the regime. Yeah, I definitely think so as well. Antoinette, go ahead. No, I was just agreeing with her. I totally agree with everything she said. Um, yeah, I think this is going to really put like one of the last nails in their coffin. The unfortunate thing is that there's still people that are going to just cling to it. Like, I mean, the same thing. Say it on the news enough times and there will be enough sheep that are just going to be like, yeah, that's a fact. Like, yeah, they're no, but they overplayed their hand. Yeah, they, they overplayed did. their hand, and the the comparisons, which I find, you know, so sickening. And the first time I wrote about one six four revolver when Darren had reached out was in January twenty twenty one, a couple of weeks later, and it took me a week to actually write down that piece because I was so upset and angry about these comparisons that they were making. Yeah, you know, with the tragedy of nine eleven and everything, and you see all these comments on social media of people saying how. Can you compare 1-6 with a 9-11, with a Pearl Harbor? It's just so uh, insulting and um, disrespectful. I mean, these two words don't even cover it, you know, thinking of the victims of, of uh, people who lived through that day or those who lost loved ones. Um, it's it's truly despicable what they've done. And uh, the, the American people know that there's something really off and that nothing justifies such comparisons. So I think they've overplayed their hand. And also the lies, even though, you know, they're trying um, very hard to solidify this narrative, thanks to, again, the work of Darren Beatty and Julie Kelly. Yes. Uh, it didn't have time to materialize and ossify. And they were so quick, you know, we were all, you know, thanks to social media and everything so quick to dispel all these lies, starting with the officer Sicknick lie, where they said, you know, that he was bludgeoned to death by a Trump supporter, et cetera, all the ex excuses they used to impeach President Trump. As right. we know, they were dispelled really quickly. So it's, it's just not sticking and they're panicking and um, they're doubling down, but it's making it worse for them. Yeah, so keeping as in mind. Antoinette said, nail in the coffin. What did you say, Geisha? No, like keeping also in mind like, all the other all changes that are, that we're seeing, how um, even the those who work at channel, you know, networks like CNN that yeah. are also pressing charges. Um, it's, all, you know, these were some of the most, you know, they constantly were attacking and pushing the narrative. So slowly they're losing a lot of credibility in their own people that buys there. Like you saw, we saw also like a 90% uh, decrease in, um, in, uh, you know, like they're, they're losing a lot of the audience, which is also a great thing. So it's like slowly, um, it's their weapons in a way are being kind of taken down. And then also we've seen that this is not the first time that they've tried to push a narrative against Trump to take him down. We know we've seen this uh, repetitively and he still um, comes out of it, out of it, you know, and, and that, that in a way like gives me a lot of hope that that their attempts keep failing and then the narrative keeps just dropping off and the credibility of the networks keep um, dropping. So uh, it just, it just gonna end in, in and there's gonna be a point of collapse. Um, and I feel very confident that things um, will, 
it's just a matter of time. I don't know how long, but I feel confident that this is going to come up to light and, and, and we'll be victorious about that. Like the truth is going to be revealed. I don't know. I mean, revealed it is, but you know, just um, justice in a way. Yeah. Maybe for more to see. You just got to love the big tech companies having to just play whack-a-mole with these videos. It's just like, it's going to pop up over here and then somebody else reposts it. Just with this age of technology where everyone has a camera in their hand or in their pocket at all times. It's just, it's a blessing and a curse in some situations, but in when, the case of January 6th, it's definitely a blessing. Yeah. And we're going to get to Mark Lizardberg in a sec, but before we do, <laughs> I hate that guy. everybody hates him. One of the things, but he loves sweet baby rays. Don't worry. He puts it on everything. Sweet baby rays. Sweats in the middle of his shirts. Completely normal. It's what humans do. Don't ask him about it. Sweet baby rays. There you go. So Donald Trump has, has had like a weird operation warp speed. We've talked about it. We've kind of broken it down. We've given our own commentary on it. Uh, narrative over the last couple rallies to end, you know, fiscal year 21. And in his first rally of 22, he took a different tone and, and definitely went in the direction that we had, had hoped he'd done from day one. And that's talking about being the anti-vaccine mandate president. Let's hear him kind of weigh in on that for the first time on the big stage. Leave our businesses alone. Leave all of us the hell alone. Tell Joe Biden the Americans' health choices are None of his business. We can make our own choices. And it hasn't worked. You know, you take a look at New York, what a disaster that's been. You take a look at other states, what a disaster. California has been a total catastrophe. And they were locked down. They were locked down as close as you could uh, be. By the way, how did Cuomo do as governor? Really wonderful job. Huh? Eat the sausage. What a wonderful job he did. That guy, Garlic I watch nuts. him every day on television. I say he's saying the wrong stuff. But it's, a sh- it's really, it's a shame. What happened to some of our great places. But I'm proud that I was the anti-mandate president. And we have great successes in Texas and Florida. And frankly, in Republican, almost all Republican states throughout the pandemic. I fiercely resisted mandates of any kind and always and always will. We have to. We have to. They've proven ineffective. So, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of a new tone from the president in regards to reminding everybody that he was the anti-lockdown president and that, you know, it was people like Dr. Fauci who would go out on the news and kind of spin these narratives that led some uh, Democrat-led states to do the things they did, and especially talking about... Um, alternative therapeutics and uh treatments and then you know the vaccine stuff is just we're seeing israel have one of the highest infection rates in the world right now again after they've implemented their fourth shot and made it mandatory there like how much more drugs have to get pumped into people before they realize you can't vaccinate your way out of the flu all of them (laughs) definitely all of them well then you see all these other countries now it's coming out that they're actually like Mexico's uh, COVID like package had ivermectin in it. Well, also in, what India I think or yeah, India was the uh, first one. Well. Yeah. El Salvador, yeah, yeah. Those were a mm-hmm. lot of the places where we saw those little packets on uh, social medias, and they're becoming a lot more common. They, a lot more common than you think because you know they they also given the people coming in the United States uh, from the third world as well. Uh, big tech and its censorship is one of the things. In addition to Dr. Fauci, that helped crush the narrative of anything other than getting vaccinated and being locked down throughout the course of the pandemic. And uh, it was with the money of these big tech companies that, uh, you know, really hindered not only 
the Trump administration responding to the COVID narrative, but at the same time being able to do anything other uh, like focus on the 2020 presidential election. Uh, Donald Trump called on Congress to conduct maybe a forensic audit of Mark Zuckerberg nice. moving forward and to see where his half a billion dollars that he poured into the uh, 2020 presidential election went and what it was for. It's a, a Republican Congress amount. should conduct oh, a yeah. forensic audit. And we have to get rid of Mitch McConnell, by the way, just in case. <laughs> Zing. Zing. A forensic audit into the hundreds of millions of dollars that Mark Zuckerberg dumped into local election offices. And you take a look at what he's done. You just take a look at what they did. He put in 417. Do you know, if you spend more than $5,600, they put you in jail. This guy spent $417 million, and most of it went to the Democrats, almost all of it, and nothing happens. But to make these critical reforms between now and the time that's so important to make them, we have to act, and we have to act fast, and we have to act strong. Our country is going to be bigger and better and stronger than ever before. I like when he forgets the word and, you know, he, for, <laughs> yeah. he completely forgot the word midterm election. And then instead, you know, that big, beautiful, important time that we all know is coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just you, you can't make it up with this guy. Um, Nor, I, I know, you well, know, at least he can actually finish a thought. That's, well, that's true. <laughs> yes. We're going to get to that. In a funny way. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. So to all of us in our next clip. But before we do, I want to touch on this one a little bit. Now, we all know the the kind of big tech censorship we, we experience here in the United States. We lost a, a Twitter account recently. Norm, I'm still waiting for you to follow me back. I know you have like a million followers, but, you know, we sent you a friend request. <laughs> oh, wait. You'd have to send me your link through Instagram. I'll follow you guys. Oh, okay. Well, thanks. Um, but, you know. And Geisha, she's been a huge advocate against big tech censorship and is doing a lot of things behind the scenes to uh, take a step forward in fixing that. What are some of the things that you see in Europe that, I mean, you've been to the United States before, maybe are a little bit different and probably a lot more stricter than they are here in the States. Do you see a little bit more of a of a repressive way that, you know, big tech censors uh, – differently than the United States here. We still do have freedom of speech. If it's super blatant, you could go to court and kind of muck it up. And, you know, you could always fight back for your accounts there, but we do know in, in other parts of the world, maybe in Europe, they, they're a little bit, they're a little bit harder in some countries than they are probably in the United States. Like in Australia where they come to your house and arrest you. Remember that pregnant woman mm -hmm. who was or organizing like a freedom kind of get together. I mean, for sure in the United States, you do have your First Amendment, which is uh, a barrier to encroachment, though we see that it's being completely flouted and ignored and yeah. they, they, they're completely disregarding your constitution. Anyway, their objective is, is to just shred it and put it in the bin. Um, so yes, in, in Europe, you do have uh, different legal pushes that are being, uh, I mean, they are trying to uh, institute laws, you know, where you can criticize trans people and things like that. But I don't see a material difference. I mean, these these companies, they operate all over the world. And, uh, you know, I'm in Switzerland and I'm super shadow banned. And uh, also they're I like mean, the, the KGB of uh, Internet censorship. Yeah, I think across but, all, all like the platforms that are global platforms, it's pretty much the same. But I think the differences in the government, depend, like, you know, like how I mentioned Australia, you know, They'll use social media to kind of spy on you and see if you get out of line. And now it's like it's illegal to say certain things 
And um, I mean, like, look, look, at, look at China, you know, for example, their government, they don't they don't have any freedom of speech. No, I think uh, like in this country, the troll accounts just troll you in the comment sections. But in other countries, troll yeah. accounts comment in the, you know, and troll you in the comment sections and then they knock on your door and arrest you. Well, and then they have the new uh, what Apple's doing, those iPhone like software update things yeah. where you basically have to update to the newest one. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of sketchy random things that are hidden in those terms of service location services yep. and all that yeah, yeah selling your information there is one thing which is common to all countries you know in the quote western world is that every single country including switzerland is pushing some form of legislation to qualify dissent as terrorism mm-hmm. um and uh, obviously our online activity of each and every one of us is being heavily monitored and anything you say that is quote dissenting uh, will be considered or can be considered as a form of uh, terrorism to justify clamping down on our on our free speech and our and on our general rights and clamping down on surveillance uh, so the the entire push or the entire goal of these legislations, or of COVID in general is just to install this mass surveillance control mechanism across the board. And uh, you will have variations, you know, in different countries, but at the end of the day, the goal is the same across the board in all of the different countries. I was about to say, I wish we could uh, see how many lists we've made it on so far, but at the same time, I just realized that that's actually the social credit score thing they want. They, they are completely trying to install a social credit score system exactly like in China, except right. that at least in China, it's overt. Over here, it's covert, and they're trying to sugarcoat it and tell us it's about our health, it's for our health, it's for our safety, you know, terrorism, this. They have all these excuses, but it's exactly the same. The end result will be exactly the same. We will be tracked, and we all our privileges will depend on how obedient we are and we can go, you know, into the whole Great Reset thing, the re- um, rationalization of energy, which is coming, you know, in Europe. I don't know if you saw in Germany specifically, they they shut down three of the last six uh, nuclear plants yeah. uh, by you know, December 31st. And now they're saying or claiming that there is an energy, you know, shortage, etc. And all of this is part of this great reset plan where you know if you are obedient then yes you will be allowed x amount of right. energy per month or electricity supply all of this is Oof. tied together and they just want to be able to control each of us individually what we do what we say and the word of order is obedience and yeah. that's it that's what they want and they're also pushing a lot of people are so they made subsidies available for people because they're suffering from this energy crisis which i think is interesting that I, f- I feel like I, I don't know, like, if you do take those subsidies, you know, like how some people get on Medicaid, Medicare, right? Now, I, I wonder if there's like a special clause or a catch if you do take those government subsidies, you know, it's kind of like slowly gets like they're slowly pulling people into that, you know, live off government type of situation. And um, yeah, it, it'd be interesting to you're to saying see. there's a checkbox for you will own nothing and you'll be happy. Enjoy. Yeah, like enjoy we, want your crickets. we own you sort of thing yeah. and we control you. That's like the so, sketchy absolutely. terms of service. Yeah, if you're good this week, I'll give you some Nutella to dip your crickets in. Oh! All right, Gisha. So, 
you know, you're about as close to anywhere in the United States right now. Maybe New York City and Washington, D.C. are the two places where, you know, we're inching towards that whole social credit score conspiracy theory that seemed like a joke and, and, and fringe commentary maybe even just a year ago. Now we're, we're starting to see it in places like NYC where you live. We know that you've been able to get around a lot of the coronavirus restrictions just by the way you live your life. And, you know, you complained in the beginning of the show a lot about that goes into uh, staying home to where you might have to build your own gym there. But what, what are just some of the things you're seeing on the ground in real life when you go out into the world right now that are uh, kind of leading into that whole inching towards a social credit score narrative? Yeah, the concern here is is that people, if if they are naive enough to just follow for whatever they're told by their governments, or um, we've seen that something in common that New York and California have is that they have been like a lot of the people that have been raised in there, they were raised um, agreeing with like if the government wants you to have your children to have 15 vaccines in order to go to school, that's what you do. A lot of people think that that's just the way it is. Like that, this is these are the people that that were raised here in in this tyrannical kind of um, you know governments, and uh, it, it's scary. I must say, it's scary. I don't have any children. I don't have um, you know. I'm not working for one of these companies directly, but I know that eventually it could affect me. Um, but that's really like, that's what I'm concerned about, that people can just naively just say yes, because if they want to propose something, we can still say no. We can be like, no, we don't want this. Um, but if what if what if all of these New Yorkers get together to say like, yeah, govern me harder, daddy. And then like all of a sudden we have a, a credit, I don't know, like a credit score thing that, that we have to show everywhere. Also, tell one question. Is it true that they want now to track the unvaccinated like as a thing? Like that's going to be the next thing to just track because because, you know, I kept I hiding, but at some point, where where the heck I'm going to hide? You know, like if they're, they're going to, um, I don't know, where you're hiding the unvaccinated people like the meme we've seen. <laughs> Under um, your floorboards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I do know what you're talking about. You're talking about, and I, you know, the progressive left definitely does a good job of projecting, but there are some polls that came out over the weekend on some of the Sunday morning talk shows that suggested like nearly 40 or maybe even over 40% of all Democrats uh, support stronger restrictions, including like monitoring the unvaccinated exactly. moving forward. Yeah. We, and in places like New York, maybe Washington, D.C. and portions of California, you, you might be actually able to see that that thing, uh, you know, go up live uh, sooner rather than later with the way things are going right now. So that's what that's the scary part when you have a large group of people who have been and I see this as abusive when they've been constantly pushed uh, to obey, to just follow orders, to just and see this as a normal thing, right? right? And and that, and then they will just easily say, yes, we all vote for you to track the unvaccinated, to just break their homes, or or let's just all have uh, cameras and 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 things that just score everything that we do in order to have a life. But but this is this is what when we talk about the the mockingbird and all these things and and how people are um, pushed into a, a state of mind that they don't even know they're aware of, aware of that or, or whatsoever. And they just follow. And that's a danger. I see that as a danger. Oh, yeah. um, I know that a lot of people will say, well, run away, uh, get the heck out of New York. Uh, but somehow I feel like, you know, we had to stay and try to stop this madness um, and, and more people left. But I feel like we should have stayed and fight because it's a danger when so many people um, I'm not are, are just following and and not, you know, not really processing the, the 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 side effects of this or the consequences of these actions, or they're just not aware that their government is doing things. So maybe New York is going to 
I don't, I mean, the seeing CNA and seeing what happens to CNN was for me a huge victory because that's what they eat all the time. You know, they follow um, these networks and, and seeing them falling apart, eventually it's going to make them either wake up or I don't know if they're not, I don't know. And you cannot go out and just drink mimosas all the way out to, you know, just pretend like nothing else is happening. You and know, you need to show your papers before you drink mimosas. Well, it's one of those things where, you know, everybody's always saying like, well, you know, we should just leave and like leave California, leave New York or whatever. But that's actually to some extent probably what they want when they're pushing some of this stuff. Because yeah. exactly. you get all that's your competition gone, then all your governors get in. There's no recalls for shithead Newsom. And it's just the full control if everybody leaves. Saw a good poll on Twitter the other day. It had over 100,000 responses, and it was along the lines of what you were just saying. It's a bailout on blue states or stay and fight, and 68% said stay and fight. So yeah. that, that's, that's pretty good to hear. I mean, we're not going anywhere right now, and so you know, so aren't a lot of patriots. I'm thinking about some dual residency in Arizona. Oh, there you go. Well, you'd definitely be able to find ammo cheaper. Unless <laughs> Can you, you get do it from that? Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. <laughs> yeah. Get your ammo there. Um, you know, Donald Trump did have a little bit of new material uh, in regards to uh, some of the jokes he likes to uh, drop, and, and this one was directed towards Joe Biden and talked about some of his uh, production crew. Let's hear it. Spending and really of driving runaway inflation and he's driving it through the roof and by the way i have teleprompters that are moving all over the hell of them and it seems the thing they like the best is when we just get off those damn things and talk right straight from the heart you ever read a teleprompter where it's waving like you're on a ship and you're starting to get seasick as you talk <laughs> Good job of tying up those teleprompters, fella. <laughs> I'm stuck up here with 55,000 people or something, and I got a teleprompter that's useless. Useless. Good job, fellas. Look, look at the wind. Look at those flags. Look, look at those flags. What a beautiful sight in one way, but in another. He did kind of. Uh... I would pay to see that happen to. Freaking Joe Biden. Can you imagine? He's, he, he would just lock, vapor lock, just be like, ah. Well, he does get vapor locked when that thing locks up. Even with the teleprompter. Yeah, I'm just saying, <laughs> imagine how much worse it would be if he, like, if he his head would move. He'd be, like, going back and forth, like, trying to, like, match oh, the speed. Man. <laughs> he did take a little bit more serious tone moving towards the end of the rally, talking about just about how done we as patriots and the movement are with all the stuff that's going on right now, uh, negatively affecting our country and the world, and then a little bit of prospectus of what's going to be happening moving forward. I'm going to play these clips back to black to kind of wrap up this segment, and uh, we'll talk about it afterwards. That's great. Thank you very much. But Biden's trying to bully and intimidate people with his ridiculous, unscientific mandates because he and his entire administration have absolutely no idea what the hell is happening and Big Pharma is making a fortune. Mm -hmm. Democrats are putting corporate profits over the rights of the American people. These corrupt, power-hungry lunatics need to hear us loud and clear. We are done having our lives controlled by politicians and Washington bureaucrats. I think he missed the emphasis on that one right there. Uh, because the teleprompter might have been blown all over the place. But he did talk about the comeback that's coming right now. We're going to stage a comeback, the likes of which nobody has ever seen.
crowd definitely liked that one. And then they kind of got into the wrap of the rally, which was, like I said, I'd probably give it like, a, you know, first one of the new year, maybe shaking off the rust or, or, or just kind of uh, not being able to touch on too many new things narrative-wise because of where the campaign season is. Well, uh, I'll give it like a 6.9 out of 10, maybe 7. Yeah. Not bad. Ladies, what do you think? I think it was good. I mean, it was his first rally of the year. I don't think he was going to come out full steam. You know, it's a little bit of a teaser, most likely. Um, but he did have a little bit, you know, a little bit of fire there. And again, and think- remember, these aren't what he needs to be doing right now. Right, but exactly. in regards to supporting some of these America First candidates, Carrie Lake is extremely popular in, in Arizona. But I don't know if she, even she can get 50,000 people out on a whim to talk at a rally of just her and, and Arizona constituents. You know what I'm saying? No way. No. I mean, she's amazing. Maybe one day, but no, I think it's good that he came out for her definitely too, you know, because Arizona has been, the people of Arizona needed a little bit of a cheer up too because of all that's happening. So yeah, they sure did. You know, there's a lot of funny stuff that happened there in regards to the 2020 presidential election. And uh, you know, yeah, I think one of the reasons that Donald Trump is doing rallies like that in places like uh, Arizona right now, because he wants to ensure that crap doesn't happen again, moving forward. Right. Oh, and I think you're absolutely right. 2022 is about the midterms and he's going to lend his support to America for his candidates. And this, he has his role to play in that, obviously, because the American people are still behind him. You look at the polls, Americans still favor him as the main candidate. You know, they're throwing names out there, as we know, but he is the contender. And um, it means something that he vouches for these candidates as America first candidates. So of course, he has a crucial role to play in the lead up to 2022, and he has to do uh, these uh, these rallies to to galvanize the crowd and show that he supports these candidates. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And uh, you know who's probably not going to agree with us because I listened to his podcast yesterday is a special guest that we've invited on, and he's agreed to join us today. He's going to be uh, jumping in here with us for a minute. A little bit of a steak exclusive. What do you think, Noah? Yeah. Not bad. Definitely someone who likes to eat steak. Oh, yeah. And uh, our little surprise to our listenership. Joining us now in our special 100th edition of Steak for Breakfast, he's uh, one of the men behind Brexit. He's Co-founder of War Room, probably heard of it. More importantly, he's uh, the brains and maybe even the handsomeness behind the National Pulse, Mr. Raheem Kassam. Thanks for joining us today on uh, this Tuesday edition of Steak for Breakfast. You keep talking to me like that, I'll have to come on more. Yeah, no, no lies detected. <laughs> well, there we go. We just confirmed now. Third time confirmed. There we go. Got him the first time and got him again. Woo. Got him. So, you know what, Vishbur had such nice things to say about you, and, and of course, people like Amanda Milius do as well, so we always try to want to get you back on the show and get your opinion, sir. How's it going? Yeah, if you judge a man by his friends and mine, Vishbur and Amanda Milius, I think you know what you're getting. Um, it's going um, it's going great. I mean, the uh, I'm, I'm just pleased to be on with so many other fire breathers on this show today, so uh, don't let me hold you up from... The conversations that you guys are having and um i'll just chip in whenever you want me to all right well unfortunately we're breaking down the trump rally which you thought was a little bit of a snooze fest yesterday we're that's we're on that segment right now um you know you weighed in on it on your national pulse podcast we shared it on our social media so we could direct traffic there we were going to kind of give like a equal commentary on it today with a little bit of uh accompanying audio we we talked about some of the same stuff that you mentioned on on your podcast you know uh some of the old material 
kind of a little stale. Some of the new, a few funny clips. We definitely liked him coming out to the Undertaker theme song. I thought that was, that was amazing, pretty amazing. But uh, besides that, you know, it, it's one of those things. He's kind of in like not only a gray area with not being able to announce right now, but like kind of a stale period before the midterm elections where he's just going to be kind of going around talking of his major talking points right now at these rallies for America First candidates and uh, not really be able to get into any of like the actual maybe presidential issues before, you know, the end of the midterm season. What do you think overall right now is kind of going on in Trump world, Raheem? And, uh, you know, where do you see it kind of evolving now that the uh, rally season has started for 2022? Well, well, with Persia to speak freely, I have no idea what you were just talking about. I mean, you know, there were no major talking points at this rally. Um the fact that the takeaway is he came out to the Undertaker theme tune <laughs> tells you everything about uh, the efficacy of, of this event. Now, I, I don't think he is bereft of ideas. Right. I don't think that he is unable to um, put into, you know, pretty big, easy um, talking points, some of the things that, that are going on in this country and his ideas on how to rectify them. But for whatever reason, and, and maybe you're right, maybe it's the midterms thing that, that, that is really holding him back, right, in, in all of this, because he doesn't necessarily want to get ahead of a lot of people, doesn't want to make commitments on certain things. Well, in that case, why even do the event? Because at, at, that, at that point, you're just there to kind of cheerlead. Donald Trump, as I have experienced him, is not a cheerleader, no. right? Like he has cheerleaders. He is the leader, um, or you know, the ideas leader. Think about this. I mean, all right, we know him as, as as a little bit of a bombast, and he goes up there and g's audiences up, and that's all like loads of fun. I'm sure everybody had a good time going to that rally, um, but he's not he's not somebody that you want to do like you know Rolling Stones. Um, you know, 40 years past their prime <laughs> concerts for. This is somebody who's going to be running again, I hope, for president of the United States. And I just think if you if you box yourself in to just doing like grievances, right? You're just doing a grievance tour at that point in time. Um, then you're going to end up with a lot of people who are kind of, yeah, we agree. The election was stolen. We get it. But where's the where's the juice, right? Where's the optimism? What are we looking forward to? What are we chanting? You know, what what are we what are we coalescing around? What are the ideas here? And this guy, for decades on decades on decades, had the right ideas, and he wasn't afraid to tell them to Oprah, and he wasn't afraid to tell them to you know Saturday Night Live or all these liberal shows he used to go on, right? And now now he's out there giving you know almost grievance culture rallies. And I'm not Ann Coulter in this conversation, right? I'm not saying he's over, he's lost it, he's passed it. I'm just saying there's there's very little in the way you asked what's going on in MAGA world. There's very little in terms of that kind of um, armor-piercing shell. I'll stop talking about it because it's not the worst thing in the world what he did. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't the best Trump we've ever seen. No, not by far. And it's not because he's in any means shaking off the rust because that's never been something that he's needed to do. And aside from being a billionaire real estate tycoon forever, he's also been a TV personality. So we all know that it's not the uh, uncomfortableness of the setting or, or anything like that. This leads me to my next question. We've had a lot of former Trump administration officials on the show. Everyone from people like Amanda all the way down to, you know, we had a guy who was like the secretary of the Army Reserves, John Gibbs, who worked right under Ben Carson and Hud's been on the show. We've probably had about 
a dozen or more. One of the biggest things that they all talk about is the the administrative state. Now, aside from the things that are going on in D.C. now, which we've been unpeeling a lot for the last couple of months in the show because we've had so many of these America First candidates who worked in the administration on, is it some of the people that Trump's surrounding him with now that's kind of gumming up some of these things that probably he needs to be getting done moving forward past the midterms? I, I think that, uh, you know, when you, when you look at it, there's, there's rumors that people have to pay to get his endorsements. And, you know, whether or not that's true or how the money works or where it goes, let's just say someone pays him 50K, then they have a Mar-a-Lago event. Um, you know, the, the next thing you know... You, you see people like Anthony Sabatini, who still isn't endorsed by Trump, but he's probably the strongest America First candidate out there. We may or may not have talked to him offline and gotten some, you know, information that would lead to that being a true statement. But, you know, is it the people that he's surrounding himself now that, that are kind of setting him up to maybe get into some of the same issues he had with the problems he had to D.C. when he got there in 2016? Uh, look, I love to bits. Like, I would take a bullet for Amanda Milius, probably several. Um, and I and, and a lot of these people um, who, who you mention, I mean, these are personal friends of mine, right? Not not work colleagues. Right. Um, and and they're obviously they obviously know what they're talking about in terms of the administrative state uh, and 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 circumventing a lot of I mean, Amanda butt her head against like physically um, herself went up against all of the worst things possible in the US government, the State yeah. Department, all of these careers, all of that. So I don't want this to sound churlish at all, but I'd, I'd say it to you as, much, as well as, as I'd say it to her, is that a lot, of the, a lot of the whining about the administrative state is just that, it's whining. Um, what is it whining about? It's whining about the fact that you didn't have a, a good enough bench of people ready to go right. to take over these positions. It's whining about the fact that you relied on RNC types to go in as leads to all of these organizations, institutions, agencies, all of that, and clear house. That was never going to happen. They were never going to do it. Um, so that is a, you know, th that moment, one of the worst moments of the Trump administration for me was when Steve Bannon sat on the stage with Reince Priebus at CPAC and played Nice Nice. Yeah. Why was that going on at all? It just should not have been the case. Um, the MAGA movement had won that election and did not need to kowtow to the RNC and certainly didn't need to kowtow to the Democrats that Jared Kushner uh, and, and Ivanka Trump were bringing on board. And so that was a major strategic error and it has led to a lot of whining on the back end. I'm not saying that these people are whiners, right? Um, but what I'm saying is, is it's, it's, I'm more interested in hearing what the solution is to stopping it happen next time, right? And this is one of the things that Amanda does talk about. Soren Tucker talking about this as well, personnel, um, all of those sorts of things. I know there are tons of groups out there now that are putting together cadres of people who are ready and raring to go, briefs in hand, um, to, to get back into, into government and take over those agencies and institutions and really clear house the way that it should have been done last time. Right. Um, so, so, you know, I, I've sort of lost, I've sort of lost sympathy with a lot of the, um, the, the, the chit chat around those issues now. Now I want to see, I want to see the database, right? I want to see names, email addresses, phone numbers, and and special areas of interest and achievement from a dedicated list of people who are ready and raring to go into these organizations, institutions, and clear them out with extreme prejudice. Because that is exactly what the left does every single time. You see people like Darren Beatty getting his marching orders yep. from whatever agency he was appointed to, and many others too, right? And we do not Ex execute that level of extreme prejudice the way that the left does because we're scared that CNN's going to say something nasty about <laughs> us <laughs> and what have you. So I think, I think on in that sense that is one of the major problems we have now is we keep 
it, again, it comes down to grievance, right? We're, we're aggrieved that all of these extremely predictable things happened. Um, and then the second part of it is uh, who is around him right now? Well, of course, the consultant class has got their talents into Trump. I mean, yeah. they get their talents into everything. I mean, n nobody is is outside of the realms of being charmed by a dinner at the on the Morton's Terrace, right? My, myself included. Um, sometimes I'm doing the charming, if you can believe it. Um, but um, I think I think he doesn't have a proper operation around him right now. From what I understand about the people that are responsible for the political um, operation around him, yes, there, 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 is, there is a certain pay-to-play element of it. That's not, by the way, an insult, and it's not new, uh, and it's not exclusive to Trump. Right. Uh, it's 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 a it's a very political thing to do. Uh, it's a very RNC thing to do. It's a very DNC thing to do. It's a very Joe Biden thing to do. A very Hillary Clinton thing to do. Um, the problem is. He was he's the one that's different to all of those people or was supposed to be and, and definitely was at the beginning of all of this. Uh, I don't think he necessarily likes it, but he has an operation now that is that, that knows only that world. Yeah, I, th I think that's an excellent point when, when you talk about it. At some point, you kind of have to navigate between what is already established and then some of the uh, innovative things that he originally brought there. Last question I want to ask about Trump. Do you do you see him having? a hard time really getting across the finish line. Let's just say hypothetically in the next presidential election without people like the Bannons, the Millers, Peter Navarro, Amanda Milius, you know, she, she's very uh, open about not thinking she's ever going to be welcome to work back in Washington, D.C. ever again. But then when you hear like the passion and some of the things she talks about, even people like her, I mean, she's so young and, and she had a good head on her shoulders. And like you had already mentioned, she literally went toe to toe with not only the State Department, but with elements of the CIA for the time that she was there you know, bumping bellies with Mike Pompeo. And at the time, he definitely had her outmatched in the belly department. And we've heard that he's a stress eater as well. Mm, right. Some insider information there. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that some of those people that were with him for, for, for the long haul and, and for the entirety of his administration were, were very few. But the ones who, who were there, like the Millers and the Navarros, they really did a good job of getting, you know, the best that they could out of uh, what they did for President Trump. Is he really going to need to kind of maybe put the band back together or find some people like them and not the Rance Previses or the Chris Christie hires that were there, you know, the first time around? So this is the problem. I mean, you're, you're effectively asking an old dog to learn new tricks. And the new trick in this regard is um, um, not... <laughs> Not bearing grudges, which which he is extremely good at doing. Um, you know the Ron DeSantis thing th that is going on right now is 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 an incredible example of that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the animosity flowing from from Trump himself rather than from any overarching issue uh, or any of the support staff around him. Um, and 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 the other sort of trick that that he misses himself. And this is by the way not me telling Trump how to be Trump. He he knows in his heart how. I mean. The guy did it, right? He did it. He took on the entirety of the establishment, the global establishment, yeah. and and did it. So I don't want this to sound like I know better than him, but I think if I were to if I were to you know sit down with him in a one on one and say one thing, it would probably be the affirmative answer to your question is that I don't think there is a team of people more studious and more willing to implement their. Um, long-standing understanding of how um, how the machinations of Washington, D.C., Hollywood, and the financial world work than that original team, right? Darren Beatty is an extremely... Look, Darren Beatty is smarter than he could ever convince you in any of his articles, yes. right? He, he, he's just wildly intelligent. Um, 
the 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 analytical skills and the ability to read down the down the field uh, that Bannon has is unsurpassed in this country. Uh, somebody like Milius, I wouldn't put in government. I would put her at the head of the Heritage Foundation or the RNC and let her hack it to bits and only keep keep around the things that need to be, uh, you know, kept around to make a political difference rather than make buku dollar for the for the the the, the just wild numbers of staff that work out of these uh, these operations. Yep. Um, it is the only way I think that he can he can cruise to victory. Um, you, you might be able to see, you know, up against a, a very un, un, unpopular Kamala and Biden that he could, you know, you could muscle out a victory in some way. But you don't want to be in that situation. No. He doesn't want to be in that situation. He's an old man. Um, you don't want to have to be flying five, six times a day to do rallies all over the country, uh, exhausting yourself, not being able to give your full self to all of these people, events, m moments. Uh, one of the best things about Trump, as I mentioned in my last podcast, was was when you attend these events and you you catch his eye. You know, if you're lucky enough to be in the first sort of ten rows or something, and you can catch his eye. You know, it's those moments where he kind of speaks to you without saying anything. He'll lock your gaze, um, and 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 say a lot in a in a in a look uh, that most people couldn't say in in three hours of of podcasting, right? And if you exhaust the man like that then the magic starts to kind of get tempered and wane away. I've seen it with Nigel, right? Being on yeah. the campaign train with, with, with Farage for, for, for years and years on end. We'd work him hard. Well, he'd work us hard because he was always the one with the energy. But if, if he did push himself too hard and you didn't rein him in and say, look, we need to work smarter and not harder in a lot of these situations, then by the next morning when he had another meeting or a television interview or a speech to give, you could see the kind of the disconnect in the eyes. He wasn't quite all there. And you need these men of great standing to be all there because that is what the public buys um, when they when they when they shop for people like this is this kind of Churchillian, all-encompassing, enveloping um, demeanor that these people have. This this you know to quote George Galloway about Saddam Hussein. In fact, this indefatigability. Um, and 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 if you allow somebody like that to become fatigued because they don't have the right operation around them. Uh, and they're just trying to like muscle their way to victory, much as he was trying to do at the last election. Right. Right. Just kind of eke it out at the end. It's not going to work. You need you need to get that band back together. I definitely like to hear that. And hopefully, you know, you'll be a lot more hands on moving forward. I know you got a lot of great things going on at the national polls. Not me. No, not me. No, sir. We're, 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 definitely, <laughs> we're definitely setting you up for it, sir. You're, you're, you're definitely one of the <laughs> listen. The, the way you talk, the stuff that you say and the, and the way you could break it down, you know, you had no idea what we were going to ask you today. And then you, you wind up going off and, and, and giving some legitimate commentary on it. And it's, it's one of those things where maybe you could just have a bat phone to you to where you can kind of get in there and help out as well. I, I do want to talk about this. Yeah, the National Pulse. You, you've got some great stuff going on there. You know, the Discord is uh, quite enjoyable. There's a lot of great patriots in there all talking about things that are important to the country right now like you just said and and we already mentioned brand new podcast out yesterday you want to tell our listening audience briefly about it it's uh kind of in the same tone and uh you know breaks down one of the issues that's going on with trump right now maybe or maybe not the DeSantis stuff mm -hmm. <sighs> look <laughs> it's entirely predictable 
or I, I talked about this like six months ago and everybody kind of rolled their, I mean, this is my life, by the way, okay? I talk about things six months in advance, people roll their eyes and then six months later they say, oh, it was amazing, Raheem was right. And then I say, okay, and now we need to be focused on this thing. And they go, ah, whatever, we'll, we'll talk to you in six months. <laughs> and, you know, I talked about this thing six months ago. I said, look, not only is there going to be a, 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 a butting of the heads of some of these people, Ted Cruz included in all of that, by the way, maybe yes. even Pompeo included in all of that as well. Uh, perhaps some out liars too um and we should be ready for it we should be ready for it we should be grown-ups about it we should say this is exactly what we do want in fact is trump to be held to account for the things that he didn't do that he should have done firing fauci um uh, you know shouldn't be hyping the vaccines and i know that he's kind of dropped that at the last rally that was probably the best part of the last rally yeah, was the agreed. thing he didn't say rather than anything that he did say um but again low bar right that's not a good bar to have for these events and i'm i speak as somebody who's been to so many of these events now and almost almost messed my pants with glee at how uh, some of the things he said or or narratives that he pushed and and you know readings of snake poetry and all of that kind of thing and it was just it was just something missing right so it was the thing he didn't say that that, that was more important but here you know we have an opportunity now to, for these men to hold each other to account. Because I'm sure there are things that DeSantis needs to be held to account for as well. I don't sure. happen to be a Florida resident, so I'm, I'm not in the weeds on on, on some of the stuff. Um, and I, listen, foreign policy-wise, for example, I know that Ron DeSantis is far more, uh, leans far more neoconservative, neoliberal than the than non-interventionist. And I think there can be things to hold him to account for in that regard too. So I would welcome these things, but I would welcome them done in a grown-up fashion. Snide comments, sniping at each other on podcasts or in the Daily Mail or on OAN is not the way that the base wants this to happen. I think they want to see Agreed. a debate. Um, amongst amongst um, you know men that they hold in in great esteem. So if they can be, if they can behave themselves with the requisite um, dignity, uh, then I think people will welcome welcome the debate and welcome the arguments and welcome the fight. Yeah, I, I think that's a a really good perspective into it, and definitely one of the things. For as much as Ron DeSantis needs to be the governor of Florida for a lot of other reasons, other than I personally don't feel like it's time for run the president. He, I wouldn't hate and actually kind of don't mind him throwing his hat in the ring just to be able to get some really bigs in there to get Donald Trump to resharpen his swords uh, before he gets into the gist of, uh, you know, running in the general election during the uh, presidential primary season. I, I think it's one of the things, you, you know, you mentioned people like Ted Cruz and Pompeo. You know, those guys are both great speakers. Sometimes they're full of shit um, and, and say the wrong things, but they'll be able to definitely take him to task on the debate stage. And I think it makes for uh, not only great material, probably better than the undertaker theme song, but also will help Trump get ready for what he needs to do. Uh, you know, moving forward with the election. Now you mentioned Darren Beatty a couple of times. He's going to be joining us here uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're scheduling with him right now. Someone who's talked to him probably less than you, but it is definitely friends with him is, is Norbin Laden. Who's on the show with us today. Nor, you want to hit Raheem up with a question before we're uh, getting ready to cut with him. Uh, before I ask a question, I just want to say, uh, Rahim, I don't think we've had uh, the chance to speak the few times I've been invited on the war room, but I just want to say it's always a pleasure listening to you and your commentaries. You also do a really good job at breaking down uh, what's going on. So yeah. that's that's why I say nice to nice to speak to you for the first time. Well, I really appreciate that, not least because I feel I feel the same, if not if not more. Um, in in return, and I, you know, I like to sit there and be quiet a lot of the time, and I have this kind of mental 
um, monologue going on in my head. And by the time it's concluded, the show's over. <laughs> so, I don't, so I don't often get to even say what I wanted to say. I was saying on my podcast yesterday that I, I spend so much time. I take three baths a day on average, and I spend so much time in the bathtub just thinking about these things and, 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 and you know, grinding them over in my head that by the time it comes to sitting in front of a microphone and actually talking about it, I'm so exhausted by thinking about it that I don't actually want to do these podcasts <laughs> anymore. But when you guys invited me on, and especially when you said Noor was going to be on, uh, I rushed. I rushed back from the gym. I had to. Um, I had to. You know, come and pay my respects um, in in return. So thank you for saying. And the feeling is more than mutual. Believe me. Thank you, Ring. We'll have to we'll have to speak uh, sometime soon properly, and you should actually come on my podcast as well. It would be it would be a real pleasure to to chat with you. Got him. Anytime, anytime. I'll make the time. Raheem, I'll send you her emails as soon as you're off with us. Geisha, you got anything for uh, Raheem? It's 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 pretty awesome to be able to watch him on TV and hear his podcast all the time. But then when he's in the uh, jumping on the podcast with us, it's a little bit more uh, intimate situation. And, uh, you know, you get some really good commentary from him, probably better than uh, Noah and myself. I mean, I'm, I'm on the other side, and I was just listening to every time we had a, a – you know, a sound issue that he sounded like a robot. So I was like, well, maybe we're talking to a robot. I don't know. And it's getting, hi, how are you? I'm Geisha. And, um, you know, I'm a little awkward. So um, anyway, uh, yeah, your shower sound like someone with a little bit of ADHD, but I am not a psychologist, so I cannot say anything about that because I am. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to, thank you. Nice to meet you too. And to, to come back to, did you say you were a little awkward? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm a little awkward too, and and just now coming back to what one of you said is, uh, uh, you know, some people being full of shit sometimes. Um, we're all full of shit sometimes. True story. You know, and we're all a little bit awkward sometimes. But I think that's what makes for interesting programming. So um, uh, don't don't feel weird about it at all. Hey, Raheem. Okay. Not, not only Thank is Geisha you. one of those untapped Republican and conservative voices out there that's that's really starting to get it out there. She's also a uh, former beauty queen. She's a former movie star. Uh, she makes pretty good commercials for uh, independent film festivals as well. And uh, we got to get this. This gal has to get over to the New York Young Republicans Club. She'd uh, fit yeah. in right there. So n next time we've already decided Ian Smith's beard is going to also wear a tuxedo. And, and then we could get Geisha over there to yeah. start mingling with all these Can people I as well. I need to get some tips as well because I intend that to be my next job is is beauty queen. So if I can get some <laughs> tips, that would be great. Well, you you are you are kind of on the handsome. I, I would have to say you're you're not the most handsomest part of the the National Pulse team when Natalie's with you. But <laughs> when, you, when you do the solo episodes, it's all you, sir. Hey, last thing I want to ask: fancy yeah. food. What's going on right now? Anything uh, fancy crossing your? I saw you had like some steak thing on your stories last week with uh, butter and all that stuff looked delicious. But uh, we know you're definitely one of those. Uh, you like the fancy feasts. Yeah, I like to eat. I mean, you know, I like to the the, the thing about f like real food, um what I what I call peasant food, <laughs> um which, which is real food, right? It's meat, it's potatoes, it's bread, it's butter. These are the things I like, right? I don't really like the frozen foods and the ready meals and the Applebee's and all that. No offense. Like I can, I can get down with it if I need to. And, and, I, and I have done, but I like, I like just to go to the market and get like some pate, you know, it's five bucks and a baguette for a, for a dollar. And you can eat that for like two, three days. There you go. Um, 
and and that's you know I had some wild boar pate last night um, with a with a with a baguette from the corner store and people think I'm like real fancy. This is like a four dollar meal that I'm having for dinner and it's phenomenal. So a lot of the misconceptions that you guys have in America about like the fancy frou frou you know European way of eating is actually a way cheaper way of eating um, and I think is much better food. Foie gras is cheap if you get it from the right places and it's delicious and it lasts for days and days. And don't let people tell you that you have to pay $70 for a single portion at a fancy New York restaurant. That's not the case. It's great food. You can get it for like five or 10 bucks. And, and, and I love food like that. So it may appear fancy to people. It's really not. I mean, look at it's me. It's only fancy I'm, I'm in not, the US. I'm not a fancy guy. Definitely. In the US it's fancy because everything has like the, the everything is you have to have like organic or you're going to get cancer or like, you know, if you buy something in Europe, you can get a fresh bread without a ton of stuff that's probably going to inflammate the rest of your body. So I think that's why like people see that in Europe, you go to a, to a fresh market to get some good stuff. It's simple and you can eat very well while here you have to go to like, I don't know, Whole Foods to the <laughs> section of these like super breeded food that is not going to kill you. And it's like fancy. Like you have to have a pocket just to be able to buy these products. It's crazy. But that's, that's what happened here. It's true, though, because I agree. I'm I'm first generation Eastern European. My parents are Albanian from Montenegro, you know, and they always like I grew up eating exactly like that. And when people like when I was growing up, kids would come to my house and be like, "Ooh, your your mom makes such fancy food. I'm like, what? It's like it, it's wild because like, I mean, like a good piece of meat or, or pate and like a fresh, you know, baguette. People look at that as fancy. Like I would go to Europe when I go to Europe, I eat way more and I lose weight. I don't gain weight. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's because, you know, uh, no no offense. I mean, there's plenty of things about America, obviously, that I think are wonderful. But one of the things is is not the food that Jesse Kelly recommends, right? It's not the it's not the buffalo wings and the and the tater tots and, and all of these things that, <laughs> you know, how, how does a packet of tater tots have high fructose corn syrup in it? I mean, what, what, exactly. how does, like, just, what's, Listen, what is going on here? Listen, I'm, um, I'm on the same page as you guys, you know, being in Europe and I enjoy, you know, just going to the market and you have amazing produce, but I have to say ribs in the U.S. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. They're good. Real barbecue. Can't beat that. Mm -mm. Can't beat that. Real barbecue. Sure yeah. can't. Yeah. And you know what else we can't be? I actually really like tater tots myself. Well, <laughs> so do I. But you got to, you know, you got to really read the ingredients on these things. Oh, yeah. Well, they're different in Europe than they are here. You can get the exact same product and just look at the back and you're like, holy shit, what the? F <laughs> what? Yeah. They're, just, they're actually just using potato and onions and yeah. Like even baby formula. <clears throat> I was buying it from Europe for my son. It's it's unbelievable the difference in America as opposed to Europe. You've got the best standards in Europe for children, you know, example, baby formula. And then here you got soy this, soy that. It, it's bizarre. It's crazy. It makes this is you know, one of the one of the failures again, of man. the, you know, Republican obsession with free market enterprise, yep. you know, completely complete allowing these big corporations to completely run roughshod over the ordinary consumer at a great great detriment to the health and all of this you know i used to rail at regulatory standards in britain until i came to the us and realized why we had those you know and i'm not saying you want yeah. everything we have in in terms of regulatory standards but believe me these corporations do not have your interests at no, heart in no, any way shape yeah. or form 0% 
Hey, Raheem, we really appreciate you taking time out of your extremely busy schedule to come hang out with us today and uh, join us for our, our 100th episode. We were also glad to confirm that you'll be back again at some point in the future, and, and hopefully I'll hit you up a little bit more professionally moving forward. However, this this worked out pretty fine. Yeah. We do this wanna, is fine. Yeah, this is fine. We, we yeah. Do wanna, I do most of my best work on Instagram direct message. So, And there you go. Just like we were talking with Carrie Lake before, you message this guy. And it's not some dumbass question or, or any kind of a troll. He's more than likely to, uh, you know, message you back and give you a thoughtful response. Uh, we want to direct everybody to uh, s- some real news. And uh, we want to direct them to every place that you are. So social medias, websites, anything you got for our listening audience? Well, the nationalpulse.com is the website. And um, if you do want to support our work, we are always in the market for members because we are not corporate sponsored. We don't have any big, big wealthy donors. Um, and the website for that is just fundrealnews.com. And, and I we'll, thank you for it. We'll live link that in your uh, social medias in our uh, show description today. And again, the man behind the National Pulse, Mr. Raheem Kassam, thanks for joining us on our 100th episode of Steak for Breakfast. Congratulations. Congratulations. And thank you. Thank you, sir. Take care. All right. Well, Davos kicked off this weekend. And uh, I don't know if it's maybe appropriate to jump right into that after something like talking about and breaking down a Trump rally and then having such a amazing patriot like Raheem Kassam join us. But, I mean, it is what it is, and, and that's where we're at right now. Uh, a lot of it's being done remote again, much to their dismay. I heard they were disappointed that they weren't going to be able to get all those mobsters from all over the world to uh, join them in person. Private jets. They probably get to paint each other a whole lot less with uh, blood when they have to do it via Zoom. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, like DHL, the blood. Oh, there you go. Well, they already do that. No. <sighs> well, it's one of those things where, you know, for those who don't know about the World Economic Forum in Davos, it's definitely something that's working very hard right now. And and in coordination to kind of bring the United States and the rest of the world into a one world, you'll own nothing, social credit score, eat the crickets, all that garbage. Eat the crickets. Right. Dip them in the garlic sauce. Garlic crickets. <laughs> There you go. The whole cricket? Tater crickets. Tater crickets. I like it. And definitely at this point in the show, applicable. Mm. High fructose cricket syrup? <laughs> there you go. Glenn Beck weighed in on a preview of Davos to talk about who some of the major players are. And it might surprise our listening audience to all the people who not only were attending, but some of the names that are also on the uh, rolls as well. Let's listen to it. You know, uh, how much power do they actually have? I want you to listen just to the attendees' titles the people who are actually speaking at Davos and all about the Great Reset. You have the Prime Minister of India, Prime Minister of Japan, Secretary General of the United Nations, President of the European Commission, Prime Minister of Australia, President of Indonesia, Prime Minister of Israel, Secretary of State, uh, sorry, Secretary of the Treasury of the United States, Janet Yellen, uh, Vice President of Nigeria, Director General of the World Health Organization, the Executive Director of International Agency, Energy Agency, President of Peru, President of Colombia, um, Anthony Fauci will be there, Minister <laughs> of me. Environment of Egypt, Managing Director of the International Monetary Fund, President of Guatemala, Vice President of the United States, uh, Al Gore, 
um, the Minister of the Economy of Brazil, the Ministry of Information, Communication and Technology, uh, the President of Rwanda, Special Presidential Envoy for the Climate of the United States of America, John yes. Kerry, the Governor of the Bank of Japan, President of the European Central Bank, the President of Ecuador, Director General, World Trade Organization, Ministry of Energy of Saudi Arabia, the Commissioner for Jobs and Social Rights for the European Commission, the Governor of the Central Bank of France, the Minister of State for Advanced Technology, Ministry of Industry and Advanced Technology of the UAE. The Ministry of Those Truth. are just some of the speakers at this. So when you say, what kind of power do they have? That kind of power. Well, here's the thing. You hear a lot of the major players who have uh, implicated a lot of the harshest COVID lockdowns. We all know COVID is tied to the 2030 agenda and the reshaping of the world economy and stuff like that. So you have a lot of those major players you hear from like, you know, Australia and China and France and Germany. Okay. Then you hear a lot of South and Central American countries presidents there. And, and you're like, man, what does, what do those small crappy countries who have little relevance in the world in anything, no military prowess, no super strong economies. They're, they're, currency is all crap well here's the thing they're importing voters that's exactly what they're doing you're hearing a lot of those countries from central and south america in addition to africa shipping all of their engineers and doctors and i'm air quoting now because it's de it's definitely an overwhelming majority of economic migrants combined with the worst of the worst they're funneling them from africa to central and south america ganging up with a whole bunch of uh non-government globalist organizations there and essentially tractor trailing them up to the southwest border where they're coming into the united states and uh coming in free of charge so you you see the huge trafficking pipeline that some of these bigger players like the major european players definitely the ccp who's buying up all the bankrupt lands in central and south america and australia and new zealand right now um kind of like weighing in and definitely makes it when you when you kind of put it up on the huge conspiracy theory backboard extremely scary to hear mm -hmm. um and then two of the biggest dirt bags in the, in the federal government right now john Kerry, career scumbag and then janet yellen who's in charge of essentially like all the money that goes around you know in the in the federal government in the united states right now those are the two people that they send over there so mr icebergs himself and then the person that's in charge of our money uh kind of scary what do you guys think when you uh hear about some of those players and the uh on, in the lineup for uh, Davos. It reminds me of when I was living in Spain and uh, I was in Madrid in 2015. And I remember um, at that time I was in like Trump announced he was running. And I noticed that there's this big sign. I forgot on what building was one of the like the historical buildings, refugees welcome and people were pouring in. And I just noticed the demographic change and something seemed so off to me. So like, I don't know. I kind of remember because you mentioned, you know, like the influx and stuff, but yeah. I, I remember it since back then. Right. On the wild in Europe. So, I mean, they started way before. And I mean, you're right when you, when you say that. Uh, nor some of, some of this uh, virtual picnic is going on in a theater near you. What do you have to say when you hear some of these heavy hitters that, that have been attending this thing for the last couple of days? So Glenn Beck calls it a list of really powerful people, but in reality, this is a list of the globalist minions yeah. who are basically put in place uh, to um, install whatever plan it is that they have. Um, and uh, this is just a, a party where they all meet and uh, 
convene and discuss their little agenda that they want to foist upon us. But um, yeah, as you said, it's in my backyard. It's about you know four hour drive or so from from where I am in Switzerland. Mm. So I've, I've never been uh, to Davos, but you see this Klaus Schwab guy who comes straight out of a horror movie. Uh, and the way he, especially with the content of what he's saying, but yeah. it's uh, it's one of their major parties. You know, you have the Bilderberg, you have the Bohemian Grove, you have all these different Sun Valley, also in Idaho, et cetera. They have these little meetups um, throughout the year where they hammer down um, the implementation of their of their plans that they devise behind closed doors. And uh, these are not the people, the people that are mentioned on their list are not the people that are devising um, this agenda. They're the ones that have been tasked uh, to implement it in exchange for uh, a a posturing position of power uh, in the eyes of the public. But at the end of the day, they're just there. 100%. 100 percent they're foot soldiers exactly yeah well the human face of the lizard people carl schwab <laughs> kick things off virtually and i'm going to play a small excerpt from his uh commencement speech right now at this pivotal moment i see several priorities for the global agenda. Priorities. we must continue to fight against the global pandemic <sighs> we must revitalize the global economy and accelerate its transition to net zero. Net zero. We must preserve biodiversity by deploying nature-based solutions and we must narrow the gap between the rich and the poor to achieve more sustainable global development. Mind the gap. With these goals in mind, it is my distinct honor and great privilege to introduce His Excellency Xi Jinping, President of the People's Republic of China. He sounds like a SpongeBob character. He's like literally Dr. Squid, Evil. Squidworth? Yeah. Hey, did he? I didn't see it. I didn't watch it. I didn't catch up with it at all. And this is the first time. But did he wear his like Sith Lord outfit? No, he actually more a combat one. Yeah, he, he had <laughs> he had on a Donald uh, just a Donald Trump black suit with blue tie, standard like what John Kerry would normally wear. Geisha, when you when you hear him uh, talk about the uh, globalist economy and then in, introduce probably the the biggest threat to ours, Xi Jinping of the uh, CCP as their first and uh, introductory speaker. How, how many chills does that send down your spine? I was, the whole time he was speaking, I felt it all over the tip of my, you know, in the back of the, you know, between the, the booty and the and the back. Uh, <laughs> well, sorry, I rephrased that. Where? But you know what I mean, chills. I felt chills. Um, it is, it is so, you feel how sinister it is when, when he says like, we must fight. At the, and then it's like this little pause that, you know, he's not even talking about COVID at all. No. Whenever you hear that, that he's like, we deploy this. And I was like, oh, my God, they're, they're, they, got, they got together now to 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 fight even harder since everything is collapsing at some point narratives and everything. So they're going to keep taking more things away from the people. So this meeting was just like, OK, guys, we got to have to push even harder because people are resistant. And, um, you know, we have the, the power of the money. So let's just keep taking more rights away. Let's more, you know, because that's that's how they've been making a lot of people fall for this. It's just like, you know, you either do it or we're going to get rid of your job or things like that. It's very despicable. It's, it's truly a character of a horror movie. 
movie. Um, and uh, unfortunately, this is not a movie at all. This is real life. And we have to take it, you know, as, as crazy as it sounds when you hear it. We have to do and uh, something. And and I always encourage people to like uh, and every time I, I sit on this on this podcast, I always try to encourage you, anybody who's listening to find a way, any any way. There are many, 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 many ways you can help. Uh, fight back because they're they're truly we are their enemy at this point and you can hear it so clearly and just just the way they speak just the way they refer to us this is this is not for our for our, for the best um but anyway yeah yeah when he said when he said global pandemic he didn't mean an actual pandemic he just meant free thought and we're the pandemic yeah. exactly they're not talking about they're not talking to us they're talking to each other and their yeah. term like so exactly. when they're talking about the pandemic they mean that we're the virus yeah in my opinion, you know, oh, yeah. if it, you can feel that in the energy of the of every word they're saying, like you can feel that this is definitely not about a, a horrible disease because we all know this is not what 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 they're trying to to portray it as. And, and then it's as, so clear. Uh, hmm? Sorry, as Antoinette said, we are the horrible disease. Yeah, <laughs> we're the disease. How and it's dare just we? So, oh, man. <laughs> You know, it was pretty funny when uh, somebody needs to actually take that Klaus Schwab uh, little snippet and just put subtitles on it with what he's really saying. It sounds like someone that, who. I was there. That's so he, funny. You, you said that. I was literally thinking. You, you gonna get that done that. for us today? Yeah, maybe. Oh, there you go. It was pretty funny. Edit this train wreck first. When when the when the president of India, who's a great friend of Donald Trump and not really a globalist was talking, they had some really bad uh, technical errors with his teleprompter. It was almost like it was staged when he started talking about building independent economies and the benefits of Bitcoin. So it seems like... Did, did he yeah, go, Bitcoin, 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 Bitcoin. Okay, it's, it's, it's not going to be funny till the end of next episode. All I have to say is that in addition to how brilliant Raheem Kassam is when he's giving political commentary and developing narratives about it, he's also an extremely great beatboxer <laughs> so possibly an android too yeah but but we're, we're gonna stay away from that because he's gonna eventually listen to this and then make a clip for us like he did last time because he's just good like that yeah. so hopefully we're, we're enough down the pike that he'll stop listening because it doesn't include him um in addition to all the bad actors though that talked to this i think probably the worst one besides carl schwab and xi jinping was mm, Dr. Fauci. Five dollars. Oh, yeah, he fifty dollars. He made an appearance and of course there's Wait, been he's still around. Yeah, he is still well, this is probably one of the only places that that echo chamber actually works anymore. But he was talking about, believe it or not, nothing to do with COVID, nothing to do with vaccines, alternative treatments, therapeutics, reopening up the world, anything, mass, nothing. Nope. Mm, disinformation. Let's hear Get it. Get out of here. Wow. <laughs> You know, one of the things that that we, I believe, the entire world is facing, but we oh. certainly are facing it in a very, very disconcerting way in the United States, is the amount of disinformation <laughs> that is accompanying what should be a problem where everyone pulls together against the common enemy, which is the virus. Oh, we have disinformation that is entirely to say the people. destructive to a comprehensive public health endeavor do you believe that shit still flies in, in 2022 I, uh, I th he's butthurt the covid he narrative is, is over butthurt. how is he even bothering anymore because yeah. he's, he's so butthurt ran and, <laughs> and, and then the memes that came you know 
Yeah. Donald Trump Jr. shared just about everybody from the Patriotic Meme Alliance's memes where he held up the picture of Fire Fauci and they put different things on there. And he sh- Donald Trump Jr. shared them all. And it, it, yeah, it, it was hilarious. Everything from, you know, Fauci lied, people died to like the cover of a hip hop album. There was just <laughs> some great stuff on there and get Richard die trying. And it was funny. So he, he must be really butthurt about you know, when he talks about disinformation. He's literally talking about the, the memes that make fun of him on the Internet. For sure. <laughs> Crazy. Every time I hear that he's around, I'm like, why are these guys still around? And he was even in the Dominican Republic not long ago. And I'm like, well, you're in my country. It's already so messed up. It's, for- it's so it's so bad in there. He's looking for new test subjects. It was uh, him and the who guy. Oh, man, it was a corrupt party. And, you know, well, the who guys is what it is. The who guy is a certified war criminal. <laughs> for real. <laughs> It's being looked for genocide and everything. That's what I know. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap it. You know, we'll have a little bit more on Davos as it unfolds. We're only, I think, in day two right now, uh, moving forward, probably on our Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast. But before we get into our last segment, Noor, you're going to cut with us right now. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to wrap up the back end of the show with Geisha right now. And, and, and we want to uh, thank you very much for joining us on our 100th episode of the show. We know it's late there. There's a, there's a massive time difference, and you took some time out of your busy schedule from the journalistic work you're doing, your podcast, and, of course, your normal life to uh, join us. It was great to have you here. It seems like it's been a little long since you've been on with us, and, and hopefully we won't have to wait as long moving forward to get you back again here soon. For sure not. It's really always a pleasure. I love jumping on with you guys. It's such fun, and I really enjoy your commentary. It's uh, it's a nice moment to spend with you guys. So thanks for having me, and I was very uh, honored to be on for your hundred episode. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell all of our listening audience? More. Yeah, absolutely. Where can people find you on social media? Any social medias that you want to give out, and then the the podcast. We're gonna live link everything in our show description today. Cool, thanks. I think the easiest is on Twitter, which is at Norbin Laden. That's it, simple. You can find me there and then it links to the rest. Perfect. We'll set it all up for you. And again, thanks for joining us, Ms. Norbin Laden, on this 100th episode edition of Steak for Breakfast. Thank you and bye to everyone and have a great rest of the show. All right, round and third now, heading home. Said goodbye to Raheem Kassam and Norbin Laden already. Now it's just the best of the rest. Noah, hi. What's up? Antoinette's still with us. I'm here. And of course, we've got 10-time guest and best friend Geisha with us now. (laughs) I'm still here. (laughs) All right, let's talk about how the legacy media is continuing to abandon the Joe Byron regime even more bigly than it has over the last couple weeks. We've definitely seen them taking some steps back. Uh, they've been hitting, you know, Kamala Harris in these interviews about their COVID response. They're peppering Joe Biden to where he has to put his head down and just ignore them <laughs> at the end of every time he talks. Uh, this Sunday, there were a couple more tells. I'm going to start off with Meet the Press. And, uh, you know, they were talking about how uh, for the president who said he would defeat COVID, it turned out to be a not so great first year. Let's hear it. Good Sunday morning. Every new administration enters office with an agenda of optimism. For President Biden, the plan was that COVID would be defeated. The economy would fully recover and he would be able to deliver a return to normalcy. But plans have a way of going sideways. A year into Mr. Biden's presidency, unemployment is down. Wages are up, but inflation is also up to a 40-year high. Hmm. Infrastructure and COVID relief bills were passed, but Build Back Better is stuck in neutral. 
Ouch. And most important, though vaccines are available and effective, Delta and Omicron have dealt a one-two punch to the economy, the supply chain, and that promised return to normalcy. And on Thursday, the Supreme Court blocked Mr. Biden's vaccine or test mandate for large businesses, perhaps taking away the last effective tool in his COVID toolbox. That same day, Mr. Biden's last-minute push for voting rights bills was dealt a likely fatal blow. Democratic Senator Kirsten Sinema said again what she's been saying for months. She is opposed to changing the filibuster to pass this legislation. So now what? All of this came just as the president was heading, by the way, to Capitol Hill to lobby fellow Democrats to change the Senate rules. So it was quite the exclamation point on a terrible week. You know, that was so not well received in the radical progressive left community. I saw some tweets. That's Chuck Todd. He is a pretty big lib. And they were saying, why don't you just change over to the fucking Republican Party with Kristen Sinema after that opening commentary to your show today? And I was like, Damn. Damn. Wow. Not only is everybody running away from this regime like the roaches when the lights get turned on, you literally have (laughs) them like other roaches that are running alongside of them trying to eat them while they're running to hide. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. That's where we're at right now. Oh, we'll we'll hear a better one than that. They're ruthless to each other when they start eating their own. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, fuck Chuck Todd was trending on Twitter Sunday morning. (laughs) Instantly cancel. Yeah, but how's how's it feel to get canceled by your own team? I know, right? I just think it's really interesting to see uh, how fast it's spiraled. Yeah, it uh, does, actually. It's like, whoa, I didn't expect it to go this quickly. No, and and there were back-to-back shows that I saw really interesting clips on on CNN Sunday. Unfortunately, we're going to hear both clips, but you'll probably appreciate the narrative a little bit more from what they're kind of trying to spin it as now. Did President Biden put more effort into getting infrastructure passed, for example? Well, he he got infrastructure passed, and that's a good thing because success can can breed success. He is putting the full force of the presidency behind it. I, I think the problem for the Democrats right now is is not that they have bad leaders. They have bad followers. Oof. Okay, so that's like a direct shot right at the base. Yeah. And just that's where just where no you bueno. No, not not good at all. And just where you think they may feel the safest is at the podium of the press secretary and the pathological lies that she spews every day. I saw a CNN program last night compare her rhetoric to the same kind that we saw during the Trump administration. What? Yeah, I was pretty uh, taken back by it. Listen to this. Listen, I think the press is failing. Uh, They're treating them unfairly. First off, there ought to have been a dividend for returning truth and decency to the White House. And we didn't get that. We didn't get it at all. We've kind of returned to the snarky attitude uh, that we saw with Trump and in some respects uh, uh, to Obama. And I'll give you an example uh, about some of the decisions that get made. As I said, from the very first briefing, the Trump spokespeople lied. They lied every day, every briefing. And the majority of those briefings were uh, aired live on television. Stop rolling your eyes. Jen Psaki's in there now telling the truth. She's telling us what's going on in the government, what people need to hear. And they're rarely on live television. So that tells me that this is more about entertainment than it is about news. It's more about about getting viewers than letting people know what's going on in the country. And that's a failure as far as I'm concerned. I I think the comparison there, where if you kind of listen between the lines is what he's saying, 
they're saying that the news that the Biden administration is getting out via Jen Psaki right now, because it's not live, those probably aren't a lot of the original answers and questions that are getting asked the same way they saw what they called lies during the Trump administration when, you know, Kaylee would just absolutely nuke whoever tried to challenge things that we knew were straight up lies. I miss her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's amazing. So, Keisha, what do you think about seeing a lot of these uh, legacy media, you know, news programs, especially some of the heavy hitters like MSNBC and CNN, even though their viewership is way down, they still do carry a lot of weight and name kind of really starting to take a step back from this regime and be like, man, not only did we fuck up, we fucked up big time and we don't want any part of it because this ship is going down fast. I think that the moment people learn even very basic psychology, they will realize uh, what most of these platforms are based on is so much gaslighting is so much just straightforward uh, projecting into people is so like it's the, it's crazy the amount of psychology techniques that you see in most of these um, whether it's TV presenters or, or anything um, where they just you know they just want to create a reality mm -hmm. and 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 then they all together will will believe this reality and and just make it seem as real as possible so you're just saying like oh this person is they just keep lying they just keep lying it's like yeah they they are the ones that have been lying this whole time but you find a group of people that will say exactly the same so to the listener it becomes a reality until you know until the person wakes up to the to the fact that mainstream media is is truly uh, like Trump said, is the enemy of the people. They've been weaponizing the media, using it against against so many um, citizens, and, and they're unaware of it. And that's why we're being so heavily censored because we're trying to wake up our friend, you know, citizens, and and tell them, hey, man, like this is what's happening. The moment you see it and you can compare, you like you start seeing the world completely different. And that's why every person that. I mean, thankfully, they they come to me and they say, you woke me up to what's going on. I see everything so differently. They always respond that way because they, it's just so obvious once you know. Uh, but we're getting close to that again. Like it's it's a moment in time where where um, there's a lot of positive things happening as yeah. the media keeps like falling apart. And these people are either being arrested or, you know, all of that that keeps discrediting everything they've been doing and working for so many years. So, uh, you know, it's a good time for us to be. Um, you know, very positive uh, about the the media just falling, you know, because I think it's a it's a good, uh, well, very, very, very important um, thing to to dismantle the media. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think we're winning a lot of minor battles in the major war right now. But I think the, uh, you know, death by a thousand stabs is really starting to take its toll. And even to the point to where some of these major companies are saying like, oh man, something's right. And, and where do we go with that? Like what's what we've played a ton of evidence. Listen, Kamal Harris gave a space balls like response <laughs> to a simple question about COVID the other day, yesterday, Martin Luther King day, she was out there passing out free meals at what looked like some kind of a shelter. Let's see her get peppered with questions again and uh, try to reciprocate the answer she gave last week. President, what's the next step of voting rights? To keep working on it, uh, I'm making calls, I'm meeting with folks. We're not going to give up. You've heard me say that before, and I mean it. This is too important. This is not about, it, this is literally about the future of our country in terms of its democracy. And we have to remain deeply committed to getting this done and seeing it through. However long it takes, but right now we have bills before us. The United States Senate has the opportunity, and I dare say, the responsibility to pass these bills through Congress so the president can sign them. And um, and and the resistance to doing that will not deter that us from sense. our commitment to getting it done. 
As I've said before, there are 100 members of the United States Senate, and I'm not going to absolve, nor should any of us, absolve any member of the United States Senate from taking on a responsibility to follow through on the oath that they all took to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Amen. So, I have a full-time job and a family with two kids, also two dogs, two and a half if you consider, like, Right. Well, no, the multi-poo that, that follows them around. That's my in-law's dog. She's oh, part right. of the tard gang. It makes up the three dogs that hang out. And then I have very little time to not only put this show together productively, uh, make it relevant. On the other hand, Kamal Harris is the vice president of the fucking United States. She has nothing but time to prepare to answer the simplest questions. Yeah, because she doesn't really That's do her anything. Job. Like the She's the most, like non-border czarish border czar we've ever had and, and i mean i, I mean, was have get, we ever had a border czar before someone is not giving her the script on time no i think there's like like i don't i don't know what it is but i feel like i feel like obviously there's a risk but i feel like they're, they're like sabotage somebody's sabotaging her behind this oh yeah they're not gonna ask <laughs> really? about that don't worry you're just gonna ask them regular questions about yeah, how, and they how her martin up luther king time. was important yeah or she just literally gives zero fucks at all whatsoever so i don't know maybe it's a combination of both but i feel like she's i think it could be both somebody's setting her up and then she doesn't give a shit at all whatsoever well that and her I, whole, I think more of the first one than yeah. like her whole administrative team has bailed on her as well all right down to our last two clips and we're kind of painting that narrative so there you heard kamal harris weigh in very very thought out and and thorough response when asked about the voter bill jen Psaki this morning piggybacked off of that Circling back to the comments that Joe Biden made last week when she, saying she doesn't say that anymore. If you don't support the voting bill, you're a Confederate. Let's hear what she had to say when she oh, was. So asked you're not racist anymore. Now you're a different thing. Yeah, no, no, you're a Confederate. Back to voting rights, particularly um, uh, the president's speech last week. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how it came together. But also, I wonder if you'll respond to some of the criticism about it, that it was too aggressive or divisive and, and that, you know, some of the rhetoric that he used wasn't, you know, conducive to getting folks, you know, who are opposed on board. Well, oh, sorry, which piece did you want me to start with? Uh, whichever one is best for you. Uh, okay. Well, I, I would say first that, um, you know, the president delivered a powerful speech about uh, the protection of people's fundamental rights in this in this country, which is their right to vote, their right to uh, to vote for anyone they choose, whether it is him or someone else. It was not a partisan it's definitely going to be someone else. It However was many intended times they to lay out for the public exactly what's at stake and lay out for elected officials what's at stake. Um, and he stands by everything he said in that speech. Okay, so apparently we're all Confederates now. <laughs> so. Geisha, you don't really look like too much of a General Lee to me. You 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 lack the handlebar mustache. Wait, what happened with my mustache? Uh, I, I said you, you really don't resemble General Lee of the Confederacy, which is what Damn. which what Joe Biden essentially all called us last week because he said whoever doesn't support the voter bill, and then he gave three prominent Confederate figures. You're either mm-hmm. on the side of MLK, or you're on the side of you know. Uh, General Lee and stuff like that. So, some cor- okay, I see. Well, you know, the, it's a typical thing for the liberal. They love just name calling or grouping and name calling someone. They always do that like here. And whenever I have because I because I stream, I try to live stream about these topics oh, and, yeah. and trying to. Hmm? Oh, yeah, you do. 
and and then yeah like i i i you know i've been heavily censored on instagram so i started now live streaming on twitch with by the way it's extremely liberal it is yeah. like cnn for teenagers and i just you know i just jump in there i don't i didn't care and i'm just gonna go you realize that there's a lot of people so they are aware of what's happening and some of them are just being constantly brainwashed by some like streamers that probably work for the cia or something but the thing <laughs> is because you know they have this information everywhere but and but we are the ones it's informationing people well i made that up but the thing is, um, the the liberal always, always will try to, um, you know, just name call the person or shame the person or put them in a category where the media eventually the, all their little friends are going to start calling it the same thing. And, you know, that's how that that's on the script that they spread at the beginning of the pandemic, that they will just heavily um, shame people. So that way they create this, you know, social of, of you know, scared, I don't know, afraid of this, this um, tension on people. So they will try to obey as much as they can, um, just so they don't, they're not called certain ways or bullied. And, and, you know, it's like one of those things that we need to have a stronger people in terms of character. We need like people yep. who don't give a fuck about opinions, who don't care about you calling me an anti-vaxxer and just, you know, I don't, I don't care you calling me whatever. I'm going to say whatever I have to say. And that will change them. Like if we understand that we're more, when you realize the truth that we are more than them, like, just just leave that fear on our side and, and say what you have to say. If you're not if you don't agree with all these dictatorship, I don't know, things, tyranny that they're trying to add to all of all of the bills and all these things, like say something. Don't because I am just saying because I know there's a lot of people who rather remain quiet. They will say, no, you know, I just don't want to do so. I just don't want to talk. But it's like, hey, listen. Before your 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 ancestors probably had to go to war with guns and stuff. This is this is not as hard. Okay, you just have to talk and say something because this is an information war. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's just me and my my autism was by the roof today, so I apologize for that. Well, <laughs> you're totally fine. No, but it's true. A lot of people are afraid. Like I think if people really understood the fact that we really are the majority and we're growing in numbers Big every time. single mm -hmm. day. They would have the confidence, you know, like just put yourself out there a little bit and test it out and see. And I'm I'm pretty sure that they, it will be well received. And then they'll realize, wow, okay, more people think like this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not what they say on TV. I just think that a lot of people are kind of pussies, if you ask me. Oh. They think that they're the majority, yeah. but that's not the, the that's not yeah. the reality. And then once they see that power in people, they'll be like, oh, oh, I was wrong. Yeah. I didn't, you know, um, but people have to gain that power back yeah. to and not just stay quiet. And they're being exposed yeah. even more now that the media is starting to take a, a big step back from them and actually hitting them with the, the issues that are affecting everyday Americans and not the ones like climate change and gender pronouns, which, uh, you know, they tell you which are two of the biggest, you know, topics that need to be covered in the history of the universe. Another one was, and I don't know if any of you guys were aware of this is how much of an aficionado Joe Biden is when it comes to trains, his <laughs> infrastructure implementation coordinator joined Jen Psaki today and talked about how Joe Biden might know a little bit more about trains than the average engineer. So he has a train set or what? Agencies plus some that have some level of involvement in many of these plans and programs. It takes three or four agencies to coordinate. And then there are some independent agencies, and Amtrak is one of those. As you noticed, uh, they have $66 billion to do a really, really big job. And of course, you won't be surprised to know the president has a special interest in trains. Oh. Um, and he will talk to you about it for a very, very long time. And he knows more about it than many engineers uh, in an unbelievable way. We've started those conversations with Amtrak. 
You have rightly noted that the Northeastern Corridor is the one that needs immediate attention. The President, however, has also indicated that he's really interested in trying to make sure that we look at where the connections are that connect moving people that's cheaper, faster, um, and is also climate frenzy. So we're in the process of, of, of kind of putting that together, um, and we'll have a plan in the, in the not-too-distant future. So apparently Joe Biden knows more about trains than most conductors. I guarantee he's he has a train like fetish. A, a, ba- a basement with like a <laughs> train set. A train set, yeah. Yeah, there you go. It's it's beautiful. <laughs> oh my word. Oh, and they say portal bridge, you know you're gonna have to <sighs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> you know what I didn't forget about was that yesterday was the anniversary of the death of Martin Luther King. And we're gonna circle back to not Oof. a clip from yesterday, one that's a little dated, but still again. This is what you get with 80 million <laughs> votes when Joe Biden compared Martin Luther King to probably who you wouldn't expect. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I saw this. Not even the same but fucking even spot. Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's mm-hmm. death did. Damn! <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Every- I don't even know, like... What do the left think when they hear this shit? Like, honest to God, like, do they just ignore it? Just I mean, I, I bet a lot do, but like, grandpa's been in the cold I'd medicine love again. To see the reaction when they hear this shit. Was Maybe it, a lot of them don't even listen anymore. After the election, they just tuned out. You know what I mean? Because they were happy yeah. that Trump lost in their eyes. But it's like, what are they thinking? The ones that are paying attention. Well, it's, it's easier. It's, it's easier for them to now. It. You're giving all the tools. They're giving you all the content that you need. Like right now, you have him daily saying some shit that is so bizarre that is different to the last one. It's worse in a way. And then it's like this is your opportunity to come like destroy their narrative. Like you yeah. know those people who call you, you're this and that. Like this is the moment. You have so much material to just come out and say like, listen, you voted for this shit, you mother. Sorry, but you know what I mean. Yeah. We don't even have to say anything to them, though. They can see it for themselves. You know, it's like. And they're starting to point it out. That's the sad part. You think that damn that Noah hit the damn button. You think that was what George Floyd said in his coffin (laughs) when he heard Joe Biden say that? Mm. I don't even think he would consider himself more impactful than Martin Luther King by any means. I just. I bet his family was like, holy what? (laughs) I bet you they didn't even agree with that themselves. I'm sure they didn't. I can't find a reasonable person that would. Well, it's all the people that they just have to get behind everything that this administration is doing just because they can't admit they're wrong. They can't admit they're wrong about coronavirus severity. That's narcissism. What's happening on now, yeah. And they're just going to – I've said this a thousand times. Immediately immediately go back to taking pictures of your food on Instagram. Uh And (laughs) the the unfortunate thing is is that these people, when they decide not to see something, they don't have to see it. You know, yeah. they're, they're back to doing whatever it was they're doing. They're watching, they're watching golden girls and whatever the fuck else. But that's the, that's the weird thing about us is that we are both seeing the stuff that we don't want to see and the stuff that we do want to see. Right. So we're seeing both sides of the story just by default, because What's the only, question? the only publicly pushed side of the story is the other side of what we're basically yeah believing that's going on and the people that are on the other side they don't have the same sources that we do they have no idea of all the other stuff that's going on because they're only getting their information from the mainstream media legacy media whatever you want to call it and they have no interest in 
in expanding themselves, which is the the reason why that it's so great when stuff like this does kind of break the matrix a little bit and people start getting little doses of stuff that doesn't make sense to them. It's like, okay, well, yeah. now this seems kind of fucked up. Like, ah. And they start to remember the shit that we've said in the past and they're like, whoa. And it scares them because they're like, they were right about this one little thing. And then it starts to like, and then you know, 20 things. <laughs> yeah. And then it starts to freak them out. You know, they don't know what to think. They're like, holy shit, how am I agreeing? And, you know, like real seeing what they said, you know, is this and that. And it, I mean, we started early, though. It's good that we started early trying to um, wake people up about the agenda because that way they already re- they can remember those things that they were warned about and now be like you say, like, oh, wow, they were right about this. Now this and then. Oh, so this is next. Like, OK, so but in least- that, yeah, imagine in their heads, though, they, they look at us as, a, as the enemy. So abhorrent. We're like the most evil people on the face of the planet. And then they they're coming to these realizations and realizing they agree with us. And then they're having like this self like realization and they're afraid like oh my god am i like them you know like they're really radical like mm-hmm. people so it's like a lot of people are realizing and imagine how scared they are to come to that realization you know oh, yeah it's just attacking the core of who they are as a, as a person it's just like this is yep. this is my whole existence, existence like, like identity. This. yeah it's this never-ending virtue single yeah well <clears throat> That's pretty much the news cycle for, you know, the week. There's some other stuff going on, but as those stories develop, we'll wait for them to kind of materialize a little bit more and hopefully bring you some uh, good snippets of them for our Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast this week. But in the meantime, wrapping up episode 100 now. Congratulations to everyone on the pod team. Geisha, before we uh, get to our outro, we want to cut with you. And, of course, thank you. You have gone into not only a lot of the stuff that uh, we talk about on this show through its entirety, but literally one-tenth of all of our episodes. Yeah. So, yeah, you you know, I told you when, you know, we're the reigning surviving. We we can't thank you enough. We need to get her a trophy. I'm a 10. What? 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 Well, you're definitely a 10. Yeah, Yeah, no argument there. But, uh, why why don't you tell tell everybody where they could find you across all your shadow band social medias and we'll live link in the show description today. Um, you can follow me on Geisha Montes. That's G-E-I-S-H-A-M-O-N-T-E-S. I always have to spell. I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, from there, you, I usually put all the links to all these social medias, but that's uh, Twitter and Instagram. I also I'm trying to to stream more live on Twitch. My Twitch is just Geisha, like my name. And uh, I, I really I will appreciate if more, you know, truthers and, and patriots can can help uh you know, wake up more people because the way it works is that a lot of people chat, a lot of people share their thoughts um, during the live um, streams. And the whole purpose is to just continue to, you know, to break this narrative that they're pushing on us. And and we know we have the truth on our side. So that's that's one of the things that keep pushing me to do what I'm doing is that I know the truth is on our side. Um, And we're doing this for, you know, because you know, we love not just our our country, but uh, everything. Not right now, everyone in the world is 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 asking for help. Like I get I get I get help calls, like SOLs calls from from Italy, from Australia, and and this is a moment where we really need to unite and and trying to do something. Yeah, you're really out there working super hard, and uh, I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm a little surprised with all the cosplayers and LARPers that usually uh, 
are on Twitch, you know, live streaming their video games and stuff that the name Geisha was not taken. That that comes as an it was taken, shocking. but I kind of, you know, I was like, hey, you know, this person seemed like it doesn't exist anymore. Can I get it? And I was like, I was partner. So they were like, all right. I could only hope Here that you really asked in that voice because I know you did. <laughs> it was an email, so I couldn't do that. But yes, I would have loved to say it on that way. But you know what I mean? is like, you know, those those platforms, uh, we cannot underestimate the put. They can reach so they reach so many people. You'll be you'll be shocked by the amount of people that this platform reached the the younger generation you know they they're gonna vote eventually they're gonna you know um i've seen i think it's turn turn usa is a turn point usa or something they're trying also to to uh yeah to 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 just call the the young generation and tell them what's happening because we cannot underestimate what brainwashing can do at an early stage and and i've seen people literally promoting communism on that platform it's that it's that stream and then they they will get a ton they will get 30 thousand viewers just watching them telling kids to hate their country to <laughs> yeah. you know to like hate on freedom and hate the you know what i mean and like this is serious when you when you oh yeah they're young whatever but these are children that will turn into men um or men and women and they will take decisions and they will vote also so um it's good that that we tell them what's happening and and just trying to to kind of wake them up to the situation 100 percent we're going to, why don't you send me the link to your Twitch in, in uh, Instagram DMs or text message and I'll make sure I live link that as well. And then uh, again, dear, one of our best friends yeah. and our secret weapon, Miss Geisha Montes. Thanks for joining us on this 100th <laughs> episode of Steak for Breakfast today. Thank you so much for having me. I love you guys. Always happy to come here and, and hang out with all of you. Yeah, we love you too. Thank oh. you, dear. Episode 100 in the books. Dang. Seamless? Nope. Definitely not. <laughs> I mean, it's going to sound seamless when I'm done with it. There you go. But for all of our listenership, we just want to let you all know how appreciative we are of you for helping make Steak for Breakfast great again. We just hope that uh, at the same time you enjoy all of the uh, news we bring you and guests we try to lock in so that the questions that are real concerns of you get asked with some follow-ups which you don't necessarily see when you hear these same personalities in the real world and uh appearing in or as guests of the fake news um definitely the place you won't hear the fake news is all the places you could download all 100 episodes of the steak for breakfast podcast you can find us on itunes spotify pandora podbean google podcast fm player and now iHeartRadio. subscribe to the show and rate it leave a review and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Friends, our partners are small American businesses, and by you going and showing them your money, you help make them great again as well. My pillow. Let me tell you something. It's the best night's sleep you ever have. 100%. Go out there and help Mike Lindell. He's getting, I, I believe they're calling it debanked by Minnesota Bank and Trust right now. So he's probably going to be uh, stashing all that my pillow money inside of a Giza Dream mattress, mattress <laughs> topper. There you go. But let's let's stuff it a little oh, bit more. Maybe if you order a mattress topper, you'll get one of the wrong ones. They're full of money. Ooh. Uh, use the code Steak at checkout for big big savings. <laughs> the website's mypillow.com forward slash Steak and the phone number. Talk to a more than qualified pillow representative at one eight hundred six five eight eighty forty five. Odyssey. They help make this show sound great every week in Noah's ears. Yep. You can find them on odyssey.com. The top tier of ear gear is on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready, gear holsters. Go get some uh, 
pick a Kydex model out. They'll melt it down. They'll put a delicious picture on it, whether it's uh, Trump saying rigged and stolen or making the China lips. It's all up to you. They've got a new shop, and they're getting orders out faster than ever before. You can find them on StayReadyGear.com and Facebook and Instagram as well there. Man reps. It's a pretty simple equation to uh, help making your food great again. You buy it. You shake it. You sprinkle it. Then you rub it. Throw it in the slow cooker. A few hours later, pull it apart. Throw it in your mouth. Num, num, num. There you go. Manrebs.com. They're on Facebook and they're on Instagram. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms will take care of all your shooty shoot needs. He's got ammo coming in by the day. Find him on Facebook. His newly redesigned website at westcoastsurvivalarms.com. On Facebook Messenger or via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic. All of our first responders wear Mediocre Medic and use it while they're either on duty or off. MediocreMedic.com, also a pretty fire IG. Pause for the segue. Damn! There you go. And last but not least, our uh, probably top tier of tactical flair bestest partner, Marcho Friday at Dumpbox and Dumpbox.us. If you don't know what the Zero Fucks Duck is, you better go ask him. You can find him on Facebook. You can find him on Instagram. Like I already mentioned, Dumpbox.us. Upcoming shows. We got a ass load of them coming down the pike. And uh, the back end of January and start of February is going to be just as good, if not better than what the front half was as we get this 2022 really kicked off. We're going to be joined by... uh, Nancy Mace's midterm challenger, Lynn's Piper Loomis, running in South Carolina 1 on Friday. In addition to, so I'm on War Room today, so we better stop teasing all these names. First time on there, Bo Hines running in North Carolina 7. And newly uh, announced Pennsylvania gubernatorial candidate, one of our favorite Stop the Steelers, Doug Mastriano, is going to be joining us on our Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast this week. Next Tuesday... Dan, the worst pirate ever, Crenshaw's <laughs> midterm challenger, Jameson Ellis, running in Texas 2, is going to be joining us, as well as Jack Lombardi, who's running in Illinois 14. I'm going to primary the shit out of that guy. Next Friday, we'll be joined by Caroline Levitt, former assistant press secretary to Kaylee McInerney. She's running in New Hampshire 1, and we'll be doing the news with syndicated radio host and podcaster Alex Abernathy. It's going to be a great show. On the 4th of February... Amanda Milius will be circling back. In addition to her, we're going to have Tony Cowden, who's running in North Carolina 4. On the 11th of February, we're going to be joined again by our great friend of the show, Christina Bob. In addition to an exclusive interview. This is a state exclusive. The Raw Egg Nationalists are going nice. to be joining us. Yeah, we're going to talk all about that one. Lock that bad boy in yesterday. And then moving forward a little bit down the month right now, on the 18th of February, we've got Mallory Staples, who's running in Georgia 6th. Trump endorsed, very strong campaign right now. She's going to be joining us, telling us all about her agenda there. In addition to some other ones we're working on, Blake Masters, we're in the final negotiations to uh, lock in a date. We've got Dr. Zelenko getting ready to come in here. We've got Darren Beattie getting ready to come in here. Uh, We've got a whole bunch more. Adam Lexalt, who's a huge uh, running for a Senate seat in, in Nevada. Trump endorsed. He's going to be joining us as well at some point in February. So we got a bunch of shows and a bunch of great candidates and interviews coming better than you've ever had before. Um, Friends of the Week. Real Brenda Memes. The Silent Meme Majority. Dumbass Photoshop. Dank Elvis. Midnight Mitch. Mostly Peaceful Memes. Hugh White Memes, who gave us a good share on Twitter yesterday that garnered us about 120 real followers since nice. then. Yep. 
grand old memes, the Duke of memes, Sublime and Slime, and our favorite Pubertos. Want to again thank all of our guests for joining us on our 100th episode today. Miss Geisha Montez, one-tenth of all steak for breakfast. It's pretty good. Yep. The uh, top-tier patriot, Norbin Laden. And, of course, the National Pulse and everything to have to do with that. War Room and just the overall patriot movement, Mr. Raheem Kassam. Thanks for doing us a solid and joining us on episode 100 of Steak for Breakfast. We'll be back on Friday with episode 101. Linz Piper Loomis, Bo Hines, and Doug Mastriano will be joining us. And on behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Have fun editing. Antoinette? Bye, guys. Good show today. Good job. Good job from you as well. Thanks for listening and take care. Our borders are open. You take a look at what's happening with our economy and inflation, and you look at fuel prices. Nobody's ever seen anything like it, where it costs four times more to fill up your car today than it did a couple of uh, months ago. I mean, nine months ago. It was, we had it down to a level that it was so good, great for the industry and also great for the consumer, people that want to fill up a tank. No, we're, we're a country that's in serious trouble, but we'll turn it around. We're going to fight very hard. We're going to turn it around. I say make America great again, again. All right.